Hi guys, it's Danny. In this episode, you're going to learn about a special thing we're doing for the next BCL chat where we invite you to call us and leave your unpopular book opinions as a voicemail message. We didn't have the number ready when we recorded, but we have it now, so I wanted to share it at the top of the episode. To take part in our next BCL chat, just call us at area code 213-259-3739. Again, that number is at 213-259-3739. We cannot wait to hear your unpopular book opinions, and we really hope we get a bunch of you all calling in because we really want to make the next BCL episode something really fun. So thanks and enjoy the episode. Hi guys, this is Danny. And this is Molly. And we are going to be controversial. This is going to be, well maybe not, it's unpopular probably, unless <laughs> it ain't that serious. But this month we read a book, a YA book. Uh-huh. We read yeah. Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Adeyemi. Uh-huh. And we got thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like lots of them. Uh, <laughs> before we get into it, just checking in. How you doing, Molly? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Um, you know. You're getting being me. <laughs> You're getting bossed around by a cat. I am. She's smacking me. I told Danielle right before we started recording that my scarf fell off when I was sleeping, and she tried to like. I woke up to her trying to like spread my hair out so she could lay down on it. I was like, I don't. Why are you doing this? Why are you so hateful? That's pretty bold, and cats are bold to begin with. So. I know, and I like told her no. I pushed her away, and she kept doing it. Oh, but she's muscular. She's strong for a cat. <laughs> My cat's just mean. She's actually not very strong. She'll like oh. she'll start fights. She can't finish. So that's her problem. Oh, My cat. My cat intends to finish them. <laughs> she's big. She's big for a cat. I love that. It's the most vaguely threatening thing I've ever heard. Like she <laughs> intends to finish them. Um, it's also birthday week next week, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Next week is birthday week. My birthday's on Monday. I'm going to celebrate it tomorrow. Oh, yeah? What are you doing? We're doing hibachi. Ooh. And, like, I, I really am really, I hate organizing things, mm-hmm. like, get-togethers, because I stress, like, people need to show up on, like, apparently this place will not sit you if your whole party's mm-hmm. not there at the same time. And it's like, uh-huh. I need y'all to just. Let's just tell them, like, 30 minutes before. So I'm just going to be like, look, we're going to be there at 715. I need you mm-hmm. to show up. It's in West County, where all the mm-hmm. suburbanites are. I need us just to. So I don't want to linger outside the establishment because who knows what might happen. So, but yeah, birthday week. Are you all doing anything yeah. for your birthday? We're going to uh, grill. We're going to cook out. Oh, it's warm enough you can cook out. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we had more snow and it was sleeting the other weekend. That is so crazy. It's been the like coldest, winteriest winter we've had. Are you saying it's been the coldest winter ever? <laughs> You did it. You did it. I saw that book. We need a soundboard. We we need sound effects. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's sad when I just make them with my mouth. I'll add one in when I, I edit like it. it. I will give you a sound effect. Ooh. Which one would you like? Um, I don't know. Surprise. Okay. <laughs> there will be a wacky sound effect. And then here, so we all know where it was. Way. 
Okay, let's get into this because we have some news and we have thoughts mm-hmm. about this book that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's do the news real quick because okay. first we just want to promote our interview again. Woo. Yes. We, it was yes. so nice. She was so nice. Was People so liked fun. it. I know. People were like listening and saying, this is good. These are good questions. I was like, what? Thank you. Yeah. So Thank you. it is our latest our most previous that's not a that's not that doesn't make sense it's our previous bcl chat a chat with Mm -hmm. beverly jenkins so we talked to her about Mm -hmm. mustaches romance all that stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. groceries groceries i think i edited out all the grocery talk because i'm like she don't need her she don't need us putting her business out like that um and then we had two news items one deals with podcasts one deals with books so the first one was brought to my attention through molly's twitter when oh yeah yeah when this <laughs> brand named Luminary just made this tweet saying it was that little bunny meme holding the sign saying podcasts don't need ads yeah and people sort of was like are you paying for this shit then <laughs> right it's like okay cool so you're gonna pay all the fees you're gonna buy these books you're gonna do you doing this work what what do you do yeah. And it turns out, like, that Luminary is a service started by this, like, young corporate investor who, from what I can tell, has absolutely no experience in podcasting. And mm-hmm. he wants to create the Netflix of podcasts, which makes no sense. Yeah. And it's a very bad... I did a real quick SWOT analysis. Because <laughs> I'm like, this idea is stupid, and I need to lay out all the reasons why. And I'm not going to go through uh-huh. the whole thing, but I think we can agree you're not going to pay for something you're already getting for free. Right. Like, Netflix stream stuff I would have to pay to get anyway. Right. Unless I want to pirate it, but... Right. Most podcasts I can listen to for free. Yeah. And bet you could you could skip over the ads if you don't like just, them that much. Just do the skip button. I've never once had a problem with the ads. <laughs> and, then, and then why would I... If I do... I do pay some... I do Patreons for, like, podcasts I like. I would rather mm. pay those people Directly. than this weird platform. Right. Who's taking money for what? Because it's like, are they editing? Are they like producing anything? They, like, do they offer any help? Yeah, they're offering like their own slate of like material, like of content. It's like, so you pay like $8 a month to get access to their like more than 40 shows. So it's basically satellite radio. That's what it is. It's Oh, it's I like mean serious. like for the creator, oh, like no. what's, what's the benefit for the, for the, for the podcaster to be on this platform. I don't, there is none. I think what happens is they'll just use the RSS feeds and just pull them all in. Like you won't have a choice, sort of like other podcast aggregators. And yeah, there's really, that's another point. There's really no reason for me as a listener to use it either. I mean, iTunes already has. Yeah, I'm so confused about what they do. <laughs> so They're just, they just want you to pay for their content. They just want you to pay for their original programming and they're trying to package it like it's a podcast, but it's not. It's like Sirius or satellite radio. Yeah. So it's like, is it original programming then? Yes, it's original. Well, some of the programming you can get for free. That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> like if they have Black Chick Lit on there, like, well, oh, what? They'll like, have that, but then they also have like their own like created exclusive content that they're like putting out there. So that you, you want, would have to pay for. Right. But why? That's the other thing. Like, there's nothing. I looked at the list. Two of the shows are already free. They have, like, Snap Judgment, like a special. They got Snap Judgment on there? Yeah, they got a special spooky edition Snap Judgment. Which is also free. Exactly. And I'm like, and I was looking at the list, and it's like Lena Durham. I'm like, uh, I'll pass. Mm. 
Like, there's no one there who I'd be like, yes, I'm definitely paying $8 a month just to listen to that podcast. This don't make no damn sense. It doesn't. It's so dumb. And then they can only provide, they're like advertising, podcasts should be free of advertising. So they can only do that for the ones they're producing. If they pull in like, we don't have ads, but if they pulled in one like, we hate movies where they're reading the ads natively in the content, they can't drop those. So that don't. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, and then I got to pay anyway. So it's like, but I could just listen to it for free without having to pay you. Right. What, what, what? They're assuming they're going to making this great content that people are going to pay for, which I guess that's fine. That could be a good business model, but that's not a podcast. I mean, do you really think like the most popular podcast right now are really going to go on this platform? You really think like fucking uh, This American Life or The Read or... Um, we hate movies or something like that is going to be like, oh yes, let me, let me give a chunk of my money to these guys. Right. So it's like, you think the fucking McElroy's are really going to be like, oh yeah, let me take all my content and put it on there. It's like, no. And then it's like, you know, small indie podcasters like us, it's kind of like, well, what am I getting out of this? Why would I give you my stuff? Like, I feel like they could only really do the big celebrity ones and- they're probably going to want to do their own platform anyway, like uh, that talk show host who has one. I don't know. I, I I just I can't see why. And the thing that riled us up was the pretension and like the sort of condescending attitude of like their tweet and then their response to the tweet. They're like, we mm-hmm. think there's room for like the or like the free model and a subscription based model. And it's like, I don't think that, <laughs> but you know, you're free to. It's just, it's such a bad idea. And like, the more I look at it, I was like, how did they get money for this? Like, right. they're targeting people, like, because they apparently got $100 million of, like, investment money. And I'm like, who? who, What pot? Like, who has that? Yeah, like, I'd like <laughs> to see who. I watch those fire Festival documentaries. I was like, it's so easy to get money. Like, who is targeting this? It's just so weird. Because the more you think about it, it's like, all of those paid content, like, Cinemax, HBO, cable TV, they're not, they're not what's up. People aren't doing that. Yeah, and it's like they have to pump so much money into their their exclusive content. Like they're talking about how much this Game of Thrones is going to cost, and it's like millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for like this last season. And it's like, okay, are you going to do that for a podcast? Are you going to pump money to get like podcasts that people that are going to draw people? When I feel like podcasting is so. It's almost like cigarettes, right? Like once you get your brand, you stick with it. Like there have been podcasts I've been listening to for like eight years. And it's like, I only have so much time in a day. Am I going to listen to these people who I already know that are free that, you know, maybe I can support directly or I'm going to listen to Lena Dunham or whoever the fuck. Like, I don't know. For me, that seems like a no brainer. Yeah. But you know, I'm not the, the, the businesswoman. So it's just, it's bad because there's too many competitors. If you're not buying the premium app, there's no reason to download this on your phone. You've already probably got a free native podcasting app. Yeah. And it's like, and then they're really just depending, they're really just hoping that people are so in love with their slate of scripted, whatever they're offering that they'll pay. And I was like, pass, (laughs) especially when two of them are already free. 
Yeah, I didn't even know uh, Snap Judgment was still on. Like, and that was on that was on PBS or not PBS uh, NPR, right? Mm-hmm. So that's and like double free. Well, it's not even. It's like a spooky edition of Snap Judgment. Yeah, that one too. Oh, that, is uh, that one free? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's an oh, old one. That's sad. Oh, that's sad. Well, you know what? I can't wait to just see it flounder and then just disappear. I don't know. I've, I can't wait to completely forget about this. <laughs> About two hours. That tweet just made me so mad. Like, we're going to come here and change the podcasting world. It's like, you don't even know what you're doing. You're, you're pissing right. off the creators and listeners who are going to, who you would hope to use this platform. Right. You messy girl. It's messy. It's so messy. Okay. And then one book related news. This happened a way back and we're like, we're going to talk about that. And it like grew even bigger. <laughs> Was the copy paste Chris fiasco we don't need to get too detailed because there's so Mm -hmm. many places you can go i just want to say these numbers a brazilian author on twitter was accused of (laughs) plagiarizing 63 books by 34 authors three articles three websites and my favorite two recipes (laughs) (laughs) are you gonna steal somebody's recipe right i want to know what recipe it was and how do you fit that into a book like (laughs) Like, did she just copy you? Like, just like, here's the recipe for the cake these characters are eating in the book. And just I mean, slapped maybe, it. Or maybe she copied, like, you know how you'll look up a recipe and it'll be like 13 pages long and it'll be like, me and Harold were in the summer home and it reminded me of grandma's p- potatoes. And then it's like, you know, you have to scroll, 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 scroll until you finally see like the hash brown recipe at the bottom. <laughs> I heard somewhere that they include all that mess to make it copyrightable. I don't know if that's a verb. Uh, like apparently, adding that original content—I don't know—but that's why apparently that's why people do it so that it can be copywritten because it's well. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> so she, I just thought this one was especially bad because two things that make this one stand out: she plagiarized a book and submitted it to for an award. I believe it was Arita, and later we found out that the original author who wrote the book was not allowed to prevent prevent her book from being submitted in that same award for that same award. Why? I don't think, I think it was like a date thing or like a deadline okay. thing. Like it wasn't, she didn't go into detail. She just said she wanted, the book was titled The Duchess War. I did war. see that too. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't know why. She wanted to submit it for Rita and the award body and the body told her she couldn't. And so then this mm-hmm. book that someone like Frankenstein from other books, including mm-hmm. hers, she did submit. And she's mm-hmm. a judge. She's a Rita judge. Mm-hmm. So... I just like this quote. Uh, the author was Courtney Milan. She was like, look, I'm not special in any other way, and I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but if I were an unethical plagiarist and I was looking to plagiarize a romance author, I would pick literally anyone except the one who clerked for the Supreme Court, taught intellectual property as a law professor, and doesn't back down from a fight. So, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's kind of old. It's just like I keep, I can't get over that list. How do you steal that much and expect to it not get so caught? so much. She was wilding. It's crazy. <laughs> it was wild. Like at that point, it seems like it'd be easier just to write something original. Yeah. Right. Like you're copy pasting all this stuff and trying to like finagle it and slam everything together. You might as well just sit down and like write something original. At least it'll flow. At least you can like the same amount of work you're editing it. You might as well just write something. <laughs> right. You're just plastering stuff together. So that's that. We're really going to fly through this. Mm-hmm. the news so because i want to get to this this book <laughs> i need y'all to know i have 
two pages of notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think I'm going to go off on this book. Um, we read Children of Blood and Bone, correct? Mm-hmm. By Tom um, <laughs> Red. One of us Keep read going. it, so we read it. <laughs> we read Children of Blood and Bone, and we have thoughts. We have. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss. We're not going to get too much into the plot, and I'm going to tell you why we're not going to get too much into the plot because it's literally impossible. So mm-hmm. um, this book is by Tami Adeyemi. This is her first novel, and the sequel, Children of Virtue and Vengeance, will be released in December of this year. I think it was supposed to be released this month. And that was, oh, yeah? yeah, and that was originally why, that's originally why we had picked this, because it was supposed to be released uh... this month. And then I, it got pushed back, and I didn't know it. <laughs> so um, I did, um, so we had, if you would like to listen to a previous episode, Tommy had a little uh, plagiarism kerfluffle herself. Yeah. When she includes Nora, she accused Nora Roberts of ripping off her title. Mm-hmm. Not even the book. It was just a title. Just a title. And she called her out on Twitter without doing any kind of fact checking. And then Nora mm-hmm. was not here for it. <laughs> um, we can hear it in our Good House episode if you like the full story. So she, yeah. which, okay, I'm going to give the synopsis. We're just going to get into it. Like I tried yeah, to do a synopsis for this one, guys, and it was very hard because there's so much that happens. So, and is it, you heard the audiobook? Is it Orisha or Orisha? Orisha. Orisha. So, in the land of Orisha, magic is forbidden, and the people who practice it, Maj and Diviniers, I'm really bad at this today, are, <laughs> are loathed. When 17 year old Divinier Zeli learns of a way to bring magic back to her land, she, her brother Zane, and the land's runaway princess Amari head off on a journey that includes death war and new romances when the king finds out about her mission he and his son anon do what they can to stop them and then literally the next sentence i have is the book ends with all the land's magic finally killed off because (laughs) (laughs) there is so much that happens in this book and this is one of my complaints about it this book could be three separate books i created a document with bulleted points of like plot points including Mm -hmm. I only include things that would like that were like traumatic or that had a major impact on like the character's life. Like it changed the direction of what they did and how they acted and like serious plot points. There's 29 Mm -hmm. items, including people being murdered, including participating in a, a battle Royale fight to the death on a boat, including uh, like, including like this, and on the prince learning he's been infected with the magic. Like it's, <laughs> it's so much. It was overwhelming. I sat down and tried to write the synopsis and my brain broke. So I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> it's really crappy this time. And I say that every time, but this time, you know, I really think that your synopses are really good, but um, I mean, it's like we said, there's just, there's a lot happening here they have three different missions like i use missions like with quotes like traditionally like when you read a book i would think like this and you can because i'm gonna ask you about like the world building like your thoughts on like what makes good fantasy world building but -hmm. i feel like for a book like this to make it especially when there's so much craziness this plot should be relatively simple and like they have so many quote-unquote missions they go on first they have to go to this temple to get this scroll to do this ritual to bring back magic. Then they go there and they're told, oh no, you have to go to this other place and get this other magic stone 
so you can do this other ritual on the solstice. And so then mm-hmm. they find that Wait, it was on the solstice. It was on the solstice, which we can okay. we can get into. Then they do that, and they're like, "Oh, you have to join this this boat fight where people fight to the death, and then win the solstice." And like, it just things keep going and keep going and keep going, and it all like blurs in your head. And honestly, I can't remember what the final mission was. I don't remember what they were trying to do. I think they were trying to like. There was something where they had to get all three artifacts together and then do a different ritual (laughs) so that all the kids who have, like, the power, the ability to do magic can, like, fully tap into it. Hmm. So I'm sorry, folks. That's your synopsis. (laughs) That was a very long way to say I'm very confounded by this book. That's okay. Um, So let's just get into it. I, I will tweet, honestly. I will, like, take a screenshot of, like, my action beats because they're <laughs> involved there's so it's much like... to make up for this synopsis i will tweet it so you can see like I, I... there's so many like <laughs> all caps sentences <laughs> so you can see like i took notes i really wanted to do this and i was just overwhelmed but i yeah. would like to ask molly molly so if i'm like the romance expert i see you sort of as the fantasy expert Ooh, okay. And I would like to ask you, in your opinion, like when you're reading a fantasy book, what makes for good world building? Like, what do you look for? Okay, so I I probably, well, okay, two things. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Okay. We said one of us wrote the book. <laughs> so I tried and I just couldn't finish it. But you, and at some point, what's that? You got halfway, though. I got about half. I got yeah. about halfway. That's through. solid. <laughs> and at some point, I was just like, I don't want to read this anymore. <laughs> and I have a lot of different thoughts about it. I, I let me ask you a question. Yes. If you're not like, what is your threshold to not finish a book? For me, I think I try to read to finish every book I start, and I actually think it's a habit I need to stop because what happens mm. is. I tell myself I can't read anything new until I finish this one. I don't want to finish it. So then I just stop reading. Um, Mm. For me, I think if it's enjoyably bad, sometimes I'll Mm -hmm. keep reading it. Mm -hmm. If it's like, if the writing is so bad, like it seems like the author didn't try. That's usually when I stop. Like, Mm -hmm. which that's actually a pretty good way to say it. When it seems like the author is not putting any effort into the story, then I will stop putting effort into the story. Mm -hmm. I think the, the most recent book I DNF'd was The Proposal. And that book read like a first draft. And I was like, I'm not mm. investing any time in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think I need to lower that and just be like, if I don't like it, I need to put it down. Yeah. How about you? Like, what does it take? To <laughs> Very little. Oh, really? <laughs> like, so that's the opposite, I guess, of me. Yeah, I think probably the opposite. Like, if I get even a tiny bit bored, I'll put it down because, I don't know, life's too short. And so... <laughs> I'll just immediately like I don't have any follow through <laughs> like I can't tell you how many books I started I'm just like eh, and then I just kind of put it down and just never come back to it so I tried with this one because I knew it was for the podcast and there have been other books this is the thing I don't think that this book was terrible right like we've read some books that are just on the whole you know, they're kind of poorly written. They're poorly yeah. put together. We've read some books that haven't really been edited. We've read some books that just have not been my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, and then there's kind of that category. Then we have some that 
um, you know, I read and I finished because we were going to talk about it or because I knew, you know, it, it just wasn't a genre that I liked, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that this falls into that camp. But this is the first time in that camp that I just haven't been able to finish, that I just haven't had the interest to finish the book. Um, like I recognize that. And I think I've said that in we've done one YA so far. We did the, hell, the hate you give. Um, <clears throat> you can go back and listen to like our general thoughts on YA in that one. Um, and I just I'm not one of those people who says adult shouldn't read it or da 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 or whatever. Because I don't, I don't care about that argument. <laughs> like I just, I can't, I can't come down on you saying what you need to read because I don't care. That's your life. You read what you want to read. <laughs> but for me, I just haven't found a YA book as we've been going through this process that's been very compelling. So Same. if there's something that would change my mind, you know, reach out to me. Let me know if you want to get angry. I know that YA can be a little like criticizing it, and especially. I think the people that we've seen critical of this book um, have not been treated too kindly on the internet. But at at some point, it's just kind of like, it's not for me. And I think overall, it's just kind of mediocre. And I kind of want to come back to that after we get into a little bit more. But I think that just overall, it's kind of a mediocre book. Um, So for that reason, um, I got about halfway through and I was like, I told Danielle, I'm going to... This could be us, but you play in this. I just wanted to. I was like, I'm not. I'm just not going to finish this one. We we get a mulligan. So yeah, I (laughs) I gave it two stars. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't think it was as bad as like something like the proposal. Um, I do sometimes when I have to read something I don't like for the podcast, and I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm I have to read it. I sometimes am more annoyed with it than I would be if Mm. I were just like destroying it on my own. I think it's just like, oh, now I have to read it. Um, I can see that. Yeah, it's not the worst thing I've read, but I think here's my problem with YA, I think, is that because it's so popular, like they just publishers really want to get like the next cool thing, the Mm. next great thing. And like, I think it's sort of become oversaturated when you have so much of a product. We discussed this in class, like you have so much of a product and you're producing so much. Not all of it's going to be like the 10 star stuff. A great Mm. bulk of it is going to be mediocre or bad and then what happens is people lose interest and then it'll fade away and then the quality stuff sort of comes back that's a really rush they usually mean that for things like manufactured things it works better Mm -hmm. like people come in produce something cheap because there's money in it they don't do it well people lose interest in it they leave the people who make it well stay rush thing the one i have read one way book i gave five stars and i realized i think it's less ya and more the genre because YA is not a genre. It's a market segment. Mm. It's the age group. So I don't like YA romance. I don't like YA fantasy. I don't like YA sci-fi. But this book was like, I guess it would be just like literature. Like if this was, it was Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. And it's just a coming of age story about this teenager who has a really rough summer and it's written very like literature. It feels Mm. like it would be, um, like that's the that's the genre you would give it if it were an adult book. Mm-hmm. It would be in the literature the literature fiction section, and it's so well done. And I read the audiobook, which is narrated by Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> which probably swayed me. Mm-hmm. And that one I really liked because it does things that I like in like adult quote unquote adult fiction. Like it was well written. It had really good prose, and it was I think it works. Like good fiction, good literature is good literature is good literature, and I like that. I just don't like the genre YA for some reason. 
Whether yeah, or not no, it's just it, like, yeah. Like, I think you saying um, YA is not a genre, it's a marketing tool, like, is like a key unlocking in my <laughs> head. Because I haven't quite been able to figure out, like, we've been talking about YA and NA. Mm-hmm. And I really have struggled a little bit with YA, but much more with NA, kind of like, oh, yeah, I think. What does that mean, though? And to think maybe not so much like the content of the book, but like how it's marketed, how it's pushed. Like I'm looking at this. I, I got the uh, I, I, I bought the book. So there you go, um, <laughs> because I was like, it'll force me to read it. Um, like just how it, it's packaged the art in it the layout all that Mm -hmm. stuff like it's it's very the way it's done is very different than um you know some of these other books that I have here these uh non-YA books yeah and NA I think is weird even for YA readers because I think it's supposed to be like college and like recent college grads Mm -hmm. so like it's allowed to be a little racier but if you ever read anything new adult it's just straight porn and i'm like i don't want any part of that well then i get confused because like what (laughs) i thought it was supposed to be less saucy it's it's like i don't think people in that like no one knows honestly because i've seen people who are like i hate all the porn and new adults like why is it here but for some reason like if you want to write some weird sexy erotic erotica you can label it na and it's like, it's weird. I don't know what it is. And like everyone's now, in college and just having sex all the time. I read one clean NA and it was actually really good. But I was like, I don't, I'm not touching the rest of this genre. And I wonder if that's more a function of the reader than the book itself. Because it's like, you know, college kids have sex. like <laughs> They do. But if you kind of, if you're going into it with the mindset that you don't want to see that type of content, then your barometer or your threshold for what you find appropriate might be naturally lower. So I I haven't read any. um, So maybe it's like, maybe it's not that bad, but you know, the people who are reading it are not expecting even that's that any level of smut or whatever in it. But I don't know. I don't know. Cause I, I, it, it astounds me the idea that NA is full of filth. Like, well, and the ones I read have really problematic issues. Like there was like a revenge porn subplot that was played off as like sexy. I'm like, that's not sexy. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, an abuse plot that like did. I'm like, and it's always like really like sometimes they're like 18 or 19. I was like, I don't want to read this. This is skeevy. Yeah. So it's not for me. Maybe if you're like in that age. And again, we said this with YA. We don't need to do it all over again. We're just old. Yeah, we're old. I'm old. <laughs> my bones hurt. I'm too old for this. Oh Which... my gosh, I do that thing where you go up the stairs and you hold your knee. I caught myself <laughs> doing that. And I was like, "You're too, you're too young for that, Danielle. Quit it." It's like, oh. So what's happening? Got him. So, so yeah. So it's fine. I have, trust me, I have all the notes and all the receipts. So even if Molly didn't read it, we're we're covered. I'm gonna I'm gonna come in. <laughs> I need Molly here, though, because I I read Black Leopard, Red Wolf, which mm-hmm. is thematically very similar to this, you would think. That is, you know what? And I wanted to bring that up, too. <laughs> so I have been reading that really slowly. Um, it's interesting because I've been reading. So I actually did the same thing for both of these. I got the hard copy and then I've been slacking with my Audible. So I spent like some Audible points, but I won't return them anyway. 
And it was really hard not to compare these books. Like even right now, I have Children of Blood and Bone right in front of me. And I have the um, mangled dust jacket, (laughs) Black Leopard Red Wolf. What happened to the dust jacket? My cat laid on it. Oh, my gosh. She laid on it. She slept on it. She's been so wild. She's so bold. Like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah. No, I thought of it, too. And I was like, they are tonally very well not that totally i mean there is some there is some horrific imagery in both of them yeah i think it's setting and genre um so they're both they're both what i think you would consider epic um fantasy um or you know quote unquote i don't know what you call it like high fantasy um it's like there's this idea in fantasy that you can have a standalone series or you can have a standalone book or you can have a series. These are both obviously planned st- series. Mm-hmm. You can have um, kind of that Tolkien-esque um, elves and um, what is it called? Uh, ogres and orcs. Ogres and-, and hobbits and that kind of shit. <laughs> or you can have like uh, all humans. You can have it where there's like a lot of magic or um, like something like uh, Harry Potter where it's very fantastical or it can be something like um, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire where the magic is, you know, extremely subtle if it's there at all. Um, so these are both on that kind of epic, long, long planned, uh, planned series, kind of long form, high magic with a very similar setting with this West African mm-hmm. um, Folklore, specifically like that, what is it, Orishan um, uh, tradition. Yes. Um, Where I think this diverges, (laughs) if you wanted me to get into the fantasy, is that um, Black Leopard Red Wolf is treating this as kind of a total reworking of what we typically think of high fantasy. Mm -hmm. So again... For a really long time, it's been kind of like this Western European, um, Tolkien, you know, even even kind of the big books lately that have been challenging that. I think of Song of Ice and Fire again. They're not challenging this or they're not changing the setting. They're changing some more of like the plot beats or tonally. That's what that's doing. Um, but Black Leopard Red Wolf is reworking everything. It's saying like all kind of the fantasy tropes anything you might be familiar with I'm going to change it on its head like from the way the people dress to the languages they use to the currency they use to how they like you know walk through the world I'm going to base this on this West African mythology Children of Blood and Bone kind of uses the setting as trapping like table setting but Mm -hmm. it's not really bringing that that tradition down to the um like the core of the story it, it's not doing anything new with kind of the mechanics or the way that the world functions or bringing it all the way through um i i there's a series of uh youtube videos <laughs> if you really want to get nerdy um there's a series of youtube videos that are pretty interesting it's by a guy named Brandon Sanderson who wrote writes like super epic like nerd fantasy, like real, real hardcore nerd fantasy. Um, and he's also Mormon. 
Anyway, so on YouTube, there's this series that this guy, Brandon Sanderson, um, has done over writing fantasy. And he has a particular one about writing um, world building, which is really interesting. And he kind of likens it to um, what you call it, like an iceberg and then like a reflection of the iceberg in the water. And he's like, there are different ways that you can treat world building. And he said, you can have, and some of them are successful, some of them are not. And he said, uh, you can have uh, like a little tip of the iceberg up front. And then like through the water, you can kind of see like a whole bunch of stuff underneath. And he's like, that is when you really do a lot of research and you create a lot of this world. Like the, the author does all of this. They really go into these questions and they try to flesh out the world and really make it unique. Um, but you only really get to see the portion that is um, relevant to the story. And that's how I feel. Yeah, Black Leopard, Red Wolf does it. Like there's all this magic. There's all these things going on. It's like these characters are living in like a fully fledged world that's like out of his imagination um, but he's only really having to show us the things that, um, that matter. Like, I think there's that part where he like goes to the underworld or something and there's all those people who are like walking in shadows and shit. And you're kind of like, well, what the hell is that about? And he's like, you don't need to know about it because, you know, Tracker isn't worried about it. And the story's about Tracker. So you get this sense, like this, this whole world is around him. And then you can do, um, you can do the same and there's like only an illusion of, the stuff in the water, but that's not quite as relevant here. But he said the worst thing you can do is have like a huge iceberg that's above the water and like nothing underneath. Because he's like, then you're you're just throwing a whole bunch of information at people, but there's no depth to it. And that is what I kind of feel like happened with Children of Blood and Bone. Because, and we've been dancing around this, a <laughs> lot of... <laughs> Say it. This is just Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, this is literally, and she has stated that that is a big influence of her. But Yeah, almost, she'll openly say it. Yeah, almost beat for beat. Like, some of that world building that could have, that she should have, or she could have done and could have really made interesting, given that this is a setting that's been, like, completely ignored by mainstream fantasy in the West. Mm -hmm. Like, if she, um, if she really took the time to develop that, well, it would be Black Leopard and Red Wolf. But instead, she's kind of substituting that world building for this other story, Avatar. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, you get, because you've seen that, right? These are like really familiar tropes, right? So you get right. it, you get it, you get it, you get it. I don't yeah. really have to explain this, right? You get it, you get it. And it's yeah. kind of like that. it's unsatisfying when you read it because it kind of seems like, well, what did you do? do then like why is this book 600 pages why it doesn't need to be right why why are there so many plot points why are there so many characters why are there so many settings if like there's nothing there's no depth to it i think i think the avatar thing we just have to deal with it it's to the detriment of the book because i think that's also why the book is so fast-paced because she's mm. inspired by this work that she's seen and she wants to like write these beats too. Like there's a very Zutara like romance thing. They've got like the solstice that they have to bit. That's a big thing. And she wants to hit these beats and we hit them so fast mm -hmm. that it, like it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was really annoyed. This is the only thing I had to add to the uh, the world building was she does this thing where she takes animals and she just adds nair to the end of it. Mm-hmm. So like a lion air, a leopard air, nair, a cheetah nair. And I'm like, that's so lazy. Like either have real animals or make up some fantastical animals. And that is like a thing because I really like, you know, the world building. When I write, I like like to play with a lot of different genres. And so there was like this world building course. And actually, again, it was like, connected to this guy and he was like think about like the plants the animals the um yeah weather all this stuff and so that's that's like exactly my point instead of saying like okay you are in um this fantastical nigeria right mm-hmm. um what about it is different than the real world uh take um hundred thousand or not hundred thousand kings uh like, well, Black Panther, they have war rhinos. Right. Like, or at least even, that's something. Even um, that N.K. Jemison book where it's like they had, like, these earth-destroying, like, earthquakes every um, generation. So it's like, okay, what would do that do to the animals there? You probably wouldn't just have a lion. Like, they would adapt and be different. But it's like you don't make it fantastical just by adding some extra letters to the end of it. Like, it, it just kind of shows a lack of the world building. Yeah. And she doesn't even describe them except we know that they're big because we need an appa mm-hmm. and um, they have horns. And I'm like, why would a cat yeah. have horns? It's like, why? I'm not, I'm not against a cat. With, well, I, I am personally against a cat with horns <laughs> because my cat would kill me with them. But like, why, why would they have horns? Like why evolutionarily would they have horns? And you might say that's like unnecessary or whatever, but um, you know how you were talking about, um, romance has Mm -hmm. certain structures it has certain expectations in place this genre of epic fantasy I feel like really has that in place where you expect the author has thought about these questions even if they're not showing you or is it at least like kind of alluding being kind of clever but you don't it's like I saw something about like someone was saying I'm going to take the happily ever after out of romance i'm going to still call it romance and it's like no because genre unlike um i think literary fiction it has these trappings it has these things that you need to hit and i don't think that i think people get like um bougie saying like oh you know it's formulaic or whatever but i think it could actually be a lot harder to write in genre because you have to satisfy these things for in order for it to fit in that genre and to be good at it you had to have like a certain level of skill and knowledge um, to actually hit those beats and be good at it. So yeah. it's just, again, it, it's not bad. It's just underwhelming. Yeah. And then I thought it was not only is it Avatar, it's also like X-Men. And both of these worlds have their own politics and they don't necessarily, you can't just smash them together. Uh-huh. Like in Avatar, the people who have the magic are seen as like either they're just like normal everyday people. Well, they're not normal, but like it's a skill you have and you make it and you can build it up and you can work it and they can reach celebrity status. But a lot of them are just like regular everyday people who can like earthbend. And then X-Men, you have like the mutants who are treated like an oppressed class of people. And she tried to mesh these two things together and it's really weird. Yeah. And it it doesn't doesn't make sense. Like, I think you could do that, but it's like you would really have to understand like if those are your influences, you would really have to understand that they're they're at odds and you would really have to think about 
how would like what would it be like in a society if I mean this isn't going to be a stretch for a lot of people if something essential about a group of people something that's an immutable characteristic of them something that they need to survive something that's just very natural to them is deemed evil or hateful or um, needs to be eradicated so it's like you could you could do that and I think she approaches it but it's kind of like but then to fall back on the story beats of these two it, it doesn't fit you need your own exploration of this new idea yeah and this is where I'm going to start getting into the plot because yeah. this is where it fails because my big my biggest problem with this is that the book moves too fast and does not spend time developing ideas and I guess it goes into the world building developing the ideas the politics the the world you need to exist in this book and like feel anything and be like enjoy it mm-hmm. so one thing about the so the magic people, they're called the Maji or the Maj. I can't remember. I read this one. I listened to it the first time around. But they're seen as evil. And there's hints. The characters say, well, when they were in power, a lot of them abused their power. But we don't, this is, come. it comes from an unreliable source. So we don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's also very plausible because we see multiple times in the book, <laughs> Zelly like chokes people. She's trying to drag people out into the, she kills multiple people without like, a second thought because she has the power to do so without fully investigating what's going on. Yeah. I mean, at one point, like really early in the book, like <laughs> Zelly makes a case for debtor's prison. She, does. So she I highlighted that on my Kindle notes. I was like, Hey, Molly mentioned this. She yeah. really don't like, she's not, she's not Aang. You know what I mean? Like uh, we should pause right here for a second. There's going to be a lot of avatar talk in here because we're oh, both yeah. like big fans of that series. And I have a confession to make it, to you. And it borrows so heavily from it. Oh, a confession. Yes. So you know um, how we watched Avatar, right? In college? In college? Mm-hmm. Yes. Four of us. <laughs> and you guys are so excited to show it to me. Did you not like it? I had already seen it. I watched it when it came out. <laughs> what? <laughs> but you guys were like so excited to like show it to me and be the first one and see my You're reaction. So nice. And I You're was just so like, ooh. Nice. I was like, I've seen this a couple times, actually. You're so nice. Why did you like let us live that lie? Well, I mean, there was like ice cream cake. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I remember that. Right? Yeah, it was a whole oh, thing. You're so so nice. I was like, I don't want them to like. They're excited to show me this like for the first time, and I know that that could be exciting. So I was like, I'm just gonna sit here very <laughs> politely and pretend like I never seen this show before. Well, because I think it was new for the other the other two. They yeah. had not seen it. Had it was new it. for them. Yeah. I do feel like okay. So we're gonna get into the plot of this books and our problem. And we're gonna mention characters. I do think if we're gonna keep referencing avatar we have to give you a brief background of what avatar is yes avatar was a show on nickelodeon in this fantastical universe where there's basically four nations divided up by the four elements you got Mm -hmm. earth fire water air the fire nation is the bad are the bad guys Mm -hmm. and before the series started they do a genocidal strike against the air nation killing them all off except for one Mm -hmm. the avatar the avatar went missing Am I mixing up? Yeah, the Avatar went missing, and so they presumed him dead, and so then they started going after the Water Tribe, because that's the next in a cycle that you don't need to worry about, because it's just going to confuse you. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of the series, we learned the Avatar was not dead. He was frozen in an (laughs) iceberg for 100 years, and he's back. So he's like a 12-year-old kid. He's 112 years old. He's mentally, he's a 12-year-old kid. He's Physically, he's a 12-year-old kid. He's a 12-year-old kid. He has to 
get he has to master all four of the elements because as the avatar that's what he does he's the he can bend all four earth he can like earth, fire air, manipulate water. yeah water and air and stuff i know yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm really trying to think like if no one if someone's like never seen it which is a big possibility because yeah <laughs> you know, that show kept now. getting canceled so so yeah so as the avatar he can manipulate all four whereas most people they can only manipulate the the element of their nation if they can at all because not everyone can bend mm-hmm. um so he comes back and he has to sort of like save the world because we learn that the evil fire king is going to take advantage of a solstice which makes the fire people more powerful to try and wipe out the other the other nations mm-hmm. So it's it's a really good show. That movie was terrible. Don't watch that movie. The TV show was solid. We're not. I'm summing it up terribly. I think what we learned is like Danielle cannot summarize. No, it's shit. good. So that's that. And this book borrows heavily from it. Very like heavily. The characters are even inspired. So we've got Zelly is as Molly called her, mean Katara. She's <laughs> kind of like the the girl adolescent girl who has to um has a lot of weight on her shoulder mother was yeah. killed by the baddies um, yeah has some she has nascent bending powers bending magical powers but she has no real teacher right um she has to develop them yes she's got a goofy so- older brother zane named Sokka, and so in this book it's zane i just called him black Sokka, <laughs> who we- is not magical but is kind of a warrior um, yeah, girl struck, and um, like kind of a goof, kind of He's a goof. Not, yeah, uh, re- very very protective of his younger sister. Yes. Um, what happened to their father? They have a father who. So they have a, in the Avatar, they have a, a father who's always off to war. Mm-hmm. In Children of Blood and Blown, their father is just sort of like mentally not there after mm-hmm. being after seeing his wife's murder. You've got, and then we've got the prince and the princess. Mm-hmm. So we've got Amari, who I called Nice Azula. <laughs> and we've got Anan, who's boring Zuko. Yeah. So in the show, it's like Zuko is the prince of this bad nation. He's a very, he's a complex character for a kid's show. Like he gets. He's, he's got like one of the most well like enjoyable like redemption arcs i've seen on a television show he faces like some physical abuse at the the hands of his father um and he kind of has a mentality that if he can just you know put things right capture the avatar and keep the magic from coming back his father will um kind of welcome him home kind of he can live up to his father's expectations of him um and uh, he sets off on a quest to find this gr- this group of people, which is yeah. literally the beats that uh, happened in this book. Happened in this book. There's also like <laughs> some weird tension between um, uh, this character and the main female character, uh, Zelly slash Katara. That's going to start a whole thing. I know there were internet wars about this, whether or not Katara should have ended up with the Avatar or Zuko. I was team Zuko. I was team Aang. Aang was such a terrible romantic interest. I'm sorry. He was really? a great main character. He was so he was immature. Sweet. He was. No, he was immature. He had a lot to learn. He was just not. Zuko was like there and he just was more. Tr- I don't know. Zuko was like always that. smoldering. He was like. Mm. He was. <laughs> He's so handsome. So uh-huh. the book starts off. 
Zelly is practicing in like with Mama Egba, who's sort of like her her mentor, mm-hmm. and they get like the guards come in and they like hit them up for tax money, and she's in like they don't have any, and so when she this I'm bringing this up because two things happen in this that I want to spot. I'm not going to go a plot by plot by this because again there's too much. Mm-hmm. I want to point out two things. One, this is the first of many traumatic incidents in this book that should and would in other better books cause the characters to stop, have some sort of emotional reaction, mm-hmm. like deal with the evilness. And it's also a good time to sort of explain what the politics are like. But we skim over both the trauma and the background. And so you're sort of set up for the rest of the book. It's This is how it's going to be. Yeah. We're just going to... Things keep action, 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 action. There's no response to it. Yeah. It's like, because soon after that, mm-hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to say, soon after that, she goes home and finds her father nearly drowned because he's trying to fish to pay this tax. Yeah. And it's like, what are these taxes? Who are these people? And um, if I could go back to that world building YouTube class again. <laughs> so this guy said a great way to start a big epic fantasy is to start close. And his example was like a girl, she's running from guards. Um, she's like run around the side of a building and she's like sitting there. She's like huffing and puffing because the guards are coming. She's like looking around. She sees like the whole town around her. She sees any fantastical elements. And then she like runs through and you can kind of get a sense of the world as she's going around, but it starts very close Mm -hmm. and kind of builds out from there. This kind of starts at like a middle distance (laughs) and we never really get to like, we kind of start close with Zelly. Like she has some flashbacks to her mom, but a lot of a lot of the detail, a lot of the, like the close detail is lost, but then a lot of the bigger picture is lost too in these early chapters. I thought at least. Well, I agree. So like she thinks about her mom a lot, but most frequently she thinks about her mom dying, dying like really horribly, Very violently. And it's yeah. like, is this and like what's going on here? Like I don't think I'd be able to function if I was thinking these really dark thoughts about my mother being killed all the time. Well, and I could see how every once in a while, like you're hit by this trauma, but like, but it's we like repeated, every it's page. repeated so many times yeah. and we don't get an equal number of like, oh, here's my, like cook, my mom cooking, preparing us dinner. My mom teaching me about magic. It's like, it's just frequently so much of the, it's always like the chain, like they have this special metal that can control the magic users. And so she frequently talks about how she can see her mother with the chain around her neck and it's killing her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is this got dark real fast. I don't yeah. know this woman. I don't know her daughter, but my God, yeah, this is this is rough. And so I'm not going to leave anybody, but I am going to go into this. Soon after that, we meet the princess and almost immediately. Her best friend immediately. Is her best friend is murdered. Like really violently by her father. It. Yeah. Yes. It is the first, I'm going to go through, I took notes. It is the first of nine deaths of named or speaking characters that happen on screen. Like characters that you have been introduced to as a reader, mm-hmm. that you've been told this, this, give it a name. This character is important. Nine of them. <laughs> At some point I just stopped caring. I was like, oh, you're going to die. So I'm not going to be bothered learning who you are, old man, you know, monk temple keeper, because you're just going to end up dead. Yeah. So that was another thing. Because they're always frequently in some kind of dire situation, you actually lose tension. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, this book is five, 600 pages. I'm on page 300, and you're like, she's, Zelly would be like, 
this is it. The boat will turn over and we'll all drown. All because of me. And I'm like, no, you bitches. Ain't. You're going to be fine. There's 300 books. And there's 300 pages left in this book. And You're two be more fine. books after that. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, the stakes are kind of off. But not for everybody because a whole bunch of background people die too. Oh, they are. <laughs> okay. I talked about this earlier and I need to tell you all this. Tra- this scene should have been the climax of the book because it traumatized me. The boat fight scene. <laughs> There is, so again, there's too many missions. So this is after they've taken the scroll to like part B and they're told they have to do part C. Mm -hmm. They have to get this magic sunstone because they have to get these three. They don't even have to get three. I don't even know what the third one is. I'm really bad at the synopsis, guys. (laughs) They have to get this sunstone to complete this ritual to bring the magic back. That's the mission they've been sent on. They learn the sunstone is owned by this like weird game announcer, slaves, stock leader like it's the debtors prison molly's talking about he runs these stocks Mm -hmm. and part of what they do is they host like these competitions where the laborers can enter them for a chance to win like their freedom and riches and all this other stuff that they'll probably never get because they're just going to die in this competition because it's a winner one winner Mm -hmm. you fight to the death it's a melee when Tommy describes these scenes. She describes the corpse that are blowing all around. She describes the wa- the blood-tinged water that these boats are riding on. She describes like people getting stabbed and blood gurgling. It's so much. Like this scene alone on the boat where Zelly is using like the corpse of people who have already died to kill others. Damn. That's what she because she's a death. She's a reaper. That's like what her magic is. So she can control the dead. Mm-hmm. And she like makes these zombie animations and they fly around and they kill for her. Huh. And it's like, it's so intense. Like that would be the climax. If this book had slowed down, like this whole scene, this yeah. whole wild adventure. Cause you're going to have to think about how you use the corpses of, of slaves to kill other slaves. Like, I mean, that's a you really know? good moral thing for her to stop and say, like, I just got this magic back and now I'm using it to kill other magic users mm-hmm. like that's a big moral quandary she does not she's not she doesn't stop it does not bother her at all yeah that the book just doesn't seem that interested in and it seems it. more like the kind of the f- razzle dazzle of oh my god look at all this instead of like so i, I again i'm gonna make another avatar i mean it's unavoidable <laughs> um so at some point i think she Water bends, or that is manipulates water. Um, Zelly, I think so. Like at the beginning, doesn't she? There's something with water that she does. She can't control water. I don't think. Like what happens? I can't remember. I feel like she was running somewhere and she like called up some water or something. I might be totally wrong, but <laughs> they do have that scene where her father's drowning and they run and they reach the land and that she's was like later just... than that. I think what oh, was on it? the. The they came and like burned down the village. Oh, oh, I don't remember that. I just remember her in the village. There is a scene where she describes hearing that little. This is death number three, by the way. Mm-hmm. Where she, oh, death number two. She hears that little girl screaming, and she just runs past, and she's like, "I hope she's okay." And it's like, well, it's probably like, not, because oh. you just left her there. Yeah, and uh, but the comparison I wanted to make was, um, so her kind of like parallel character in avatar this girl katara can like manipulate water and Mm -hmm. so she finds out that she has this extra special power that she can manipulate blood as well like the blood in somebody's Uh, body and she can kind of like 
move them around. It's very painful. Um, she and, can control them, basically. And make can, them work against yeah, their will. Make, make them work against their will. And so she learns it from, like, this old woman who's, like, uh, trying to teach it to her. When she finds out that she can, that Katara can do this thing, she kind of forces her hand because Katara's like, this is really creepy. Like, I don't like doing this. I don't want to do this. But the old woman is kind of like, you know, they're murdering everyone. They want to wipe us off the map. You have to learn how to use this because you need to be a weapon against them. And so it's like this interesting like dynamic where her magic that she's trying to learn, can, she realizes it can be used to hurt people and hurt people mm-hmm. that she doesn't want to hurt in ways that she finds reprehensible. But like the overall like point is that if she really is going to do these things, she's going to have to sacrifice some of her personal morality um, to like kind of save more people. It's a very good episode. Um, And it's like, I don't, I, you know, you're going to allude to that, but you're not doing the emotional kind of like introspective. Your characters don't have that. So, like, if you're saying, Zelly, I didn't get that far, is, like, again, like, you know, she, the whole time she's so worried that she's going to be thrown into these stocks, that she's going to have to do all these horrible things. And then the second she gets there, she's using this gift to kill, like, the least um, amongst the people. You know what I mean? Like, the least. Yeah, just a bunch of desperate people trying to win freedom. Absolutely desperate people. Like, I feel like, again, and I can't, I... I do not have a um, New York Times bestseller, but I think if I was going to write that scene, I would say Zelly, you know, is confronted with this. She decides to use her powers to free these people. But again, I can't I can't backseat write this, you know. Well, it's funny because you mentioned that because in that same scene, she uses something called blood magic, Mm -hmm. where I guess. There's this whole convoluted thing about how, like, the thing that gives them their power is, like, a physical muscle that it, it it's something that exists in their blood. And it's, like, a physical muscle that what they have to work What is it in Star up. Wars? Metachlorians. Metachlorians. It's called, go. like, Ash here. This isn't the only thing they steal from Star Wars. Um, and so I guess there's another way, though, if she taps into that life force, she her power increases exponentially. And that's what she uses to, like win this fight because they expect only 10 boats there's 50 boats full of people so i want you to imagine a sea 50 and they win i want you to imagine a sea with 50 boats with full crews that have been like blown up stabbed it's it's horrible (laughs) and so she uses blood magic which is considered forbidden in the in the world of the book but isn't all magic forbidden huh isn't all magic forbidden in this world well, this was like seeing like even the like the magic users are like I see. don't do blood magic because it's it can like kill you or something. I see. So I wanted to say Is this that from to Dragon that. Age? Possibly. Like I think this book borrows a lot. So did you get to the part where they started having like the dream conversations? I got to the part where he's like standing on a beach and like a cloud goes through him like four or five times and he's like, Well, huh? Yeah, and he discovers he's magic. So the prince discovers he has magic powers. And it's a big deal for him because his father hates magic users. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I've got to repress this. I've got to kill magic so I don't deal with it. He, at like twice in the book, he pulls a Kylo Ren. Because he's, apparently his magic is like through thinking. He can connect people and get into their heads. So he does like a Kylo Ren and he has this force dream 
where he and Zelly are like in this like space and they can have conversations and talk and interact. Oh, that is it's from just, Star Wars. It's just, I had to go check and see like when was the last Jedi released and when was this book released? Last Jedi was first and like it was only a few months, but I'm still like, mm, yeah, it's kind mm, of a little close. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other, but it definitely, definitely reminds me of that. And like they have these force dream conversations. I wanted to say this before we like just to talk about the characters a bit. Mm-hmm. Zelly is the most like I do not like her. I didn't like being in her head. They all sound the same because their voices are very similar, but I just did not like being in Zelly's head. She's sort of a violent, crazy, unsympathetic. She's out of control. She tries to kill the princess character twice in two very violent ways. At one point yeah. she tries to strangle her. Yeah, like at, immediately upon meeting her. <laughs> yes. At another point she's like when the village is on fire, she's like dragging her to a fire and she's like attempt like this isn't her like this isn't an empty threat. This is this is Lorelai telling that baker <laughs> she was going to call the feds on him. Right. She drags this girl into the fire and is stopped by like her father calling out her calling out her name. Yeah. And it's like, again, you can have violent, uh, vengeful female characters. You can have it because, again, let's go back to Avatar. There's a great um, foil to the Zuko character, his sister. Azula. Azula, who's like totally nuts, extremely competent. (laughs) But she's like one of the best characters and she has no redemptive arc. Like she has one goal the whole time. She's very consistent. She's like. You have like upended my world. You know you're the male, so I feel like personally, you're you're male, so you're you get to succeed, even though I'm better than you in every way. And she spends the literally the whole time trying to kill him because she's like, I'm better than you. And she's a great character. She's kind of a simple character, but she's so it's like she could have made her, you know this violent badass character but she just zelly never seemed to get to that like it always seemed like she was too kind of a like not afraid but she didn't want him because she's the main character she didn't really want her to lean into that rage but she also didn't want to get rid of it but she also didn't want zelly to ever question it so she's just kind of doing erratic things and then never following through it's kind of like um Super spoiler alert, but this is a an old show, an older show. Did you watch Breaking Bad? No. I There's a whole bunch. I'm bad with TV shows. Sorry. Well, do you, you mind if I spoil it, though? Okay. I probably won't see it, so that's fine. So it's like, there, it's like this idea of an anti-hero, right? Um, and it's this guy. If you don't know the story, it's a guy. He's um, a chemistry teacher. He gets cancer. He can't afford the treatment, so he starts making meth to um pay for his treatment and leave something behind for his for his kids and there's this scene where he early on where he's like I think it's like seven hundred forty seven thousand dollars he's like that's he's like I calculated it you know college tuition to pay off the house to get them started to leave them something he's like that's the amount of money that I need to make and then I'll 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 stop this and so it's like there's this point where he gets everything that he needs for his original kind of goal, but he mm-hmm. decides that he likes the power, he likes the violence, he likes all these things, and he always has. So he continues down this path because he's 
like at his core, it was never about this other thing. He was always kind of this violent person. And so it's awesome because it like keeps ramping up, keeps ramping up, keeps ramping up. But at the end, they do this switcheroo where he's like, oh, he was always really always a nice guy. And he really always just wanted to do it for his family. And, you know, he dies with a smile on his face. It's kind of like, no, he was always a jackass. He was always a little bitch. (laughs) He was always super angry. And it's like, I feel like so rarely we see these antiheroes like getting to be like just you know evil all the way through so it's like if she wanted Zelly to be to have this anger like she could have had a redemptive arc later on but it's like if she really was hell-bent on killing this girl who's like a little kitten like she has no the princess basically has no coping skills like if she was really someone who could drag this girl to a fire and throw her in which she could be like if she's having these flashbacks about her mother dying and it's, you know, this girl's family's fault, then she needs to follow up with that. Like that doesn't just go away, like that level of anger in a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think you're right. If the book had just taken time instead of moving from plot point to plot point to like sit and have a reflect about how she is still really traumatized by seeing her mother's mm-hmm. death and how she is really under a lot of stress because she's the only person in her family who is targeted by the government and so if we got to be in her head and see all this yeah. and less of the, and less of like the, oh, now we're, we're running to this temple. Oh, now we're, <laughs> we're doing all this. It wouldn't feel so weird. Like it just comes out of nowhere. She explodes and she's like, I'm going to drag this girl into a fire because she also blames herself. Mm-hmm. So she has all these complex emotions that are probably really realistic. She probably does sort of blame herself for the village getting attacked. And she does blame this girl, but because we never get to like, sit with her as she fully processes what's happening. Everything just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's, she does that. She like beats a boy almost to death. Cause like at one point her brother and Amari, the princess get kidnapped by this group of magic users who sort of live out in the forest in secret. And she's like, tell me where my brother is. <laughs> she like has a throat. She has a knife at this kid's throat and the prince has to stop her. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to point two I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. We touched on it. There is There are two romances in this book, but there's only one that really got to me. And it's, <laughs> of course, so the big thing we hinted at in Avatar, we might as well say it because that's the only reason she included it in this book. She even said so. She said she was a big Zutara shipper. Oh. She was sad it didn't happen in the show. And that's why in this book, Anan and Zeli fall in love mm-hmm. quote unquote and at some point Anan with Amar he finds them in the woods so they're in the woods they're looking for they found the stone they're on some other journey that I can't remember because everything blurs together <laughs> um but he runs into the group and so at one point they have to save each other and after like a day maybe hanging out with them maybe it's a two days I don't know not long enough to be perfectly honest he flips sides and he's like I'm going to help you, Amari. I'm going to help you, Zelly. I'm going to help you all bring magic back. Mm -hmm. And it's so quick. And soon after that, he and Zelly are like an item. Like they're like making out under trees. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) Making out under trees. They're making out in their dream headspace. And and he says like, oh, it's the girl I love. And I'm like, how can you love her? This book, we know this book only takes place over a period of 13 days because when they get the magic scroll at the beginning, this old man temple keeper tells them you have 13 days until the solstice. Mm -hmm. To get all the artifacts. What was the guy in and do the ritual. an avatar that they found in the temple? The old firekeeper guy. 
who but was he the one who betrayed them? No, on like the Aang's, first season when he's Aang's mentor, like the Avatar. Oh, Yasso. No, the Avatar. Oh, 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 uh, Avatar Roku. Yeah, like is it just Roku in that temple that they have to go to? Like, is there a comet? There is no comment. It's uh-huh. the solstice. Okay, I will try. I realize I'm not. I'm doing us a disservice. I will try to explain their missions. This is my problem. There's so many that they miss up. So the first mission is they're sent to this temple. Mm-hmm. They have this scroll, this artifact that was taken by a, some magic users that was confiscated by the king. Mm-hmm. Amari steals the scroll and runs away. Mm-hmm. She runs into Zelly. She's like, you have to help me escape. Mm-hmm. Zelly helps her escape, and they head back to her village. Mm-hmm. Mama Egba says, like, oh, this scroll is magic. You need to, she uses it to have a vision, and the vision is her, Amari, and her brother going to this temple to do a ritual mm-hmm. to help bring magic back. So they run off, they go to this temple, they meet an old man like temple keeper mm-hmm. who says, okay, this ritual, this scroll has you do a ritual that won't really restore magic. It'll just like, wake the gods up or something that's not what he says but it's something like this isn't it Mm -hmm. the ritual in the scroll here this isn't it so they take i feel like such an asshole this is so (laughs) convoluted so he tells them you have to go and get this sunstone Mm -hmm. and then you have to go and zeli has to do this other ritual that'll really wake up the gods like this will really do it Mm -hmm. and so during this they get attacked by the prince Mm -hmm. that old man dies (laughs) he is death number four (laughs) that old man dies and then they run it. And so on this process, this is when they learn that the Sunstone is on the boat, is on those boats. Uh-huh. It's a prize in this boat melee. And so they win it there. Mm-hmm. And so then they're going to head off to go to this island to perform the ritual with Zele. They get interrupted. Um, Amari and Zane get kidnapped. And then Zele and Anon have to, like, partner up to go get them. Mm-hmm. And they've been kidnapped by this, like, secret hidden group of, div- of magic users who have stayed hidden from the government. And so they're like, she's like, I'm going to bring magic back, y'all. And so they don't get a chance to finish when they get attacked again. Uh-huh. Two of the magic users we've been introduced to get killed. Uh, lots of people are killed. Lots of background characters get killed. Zelly gets kidnapped. She gets the word maggot carved in her back. Mm. Um, Anon flips back to his father's side after initially flipping to their side to say, I'm going to help save magic. And then in the end, her brother and Amari break into the palace get her out of there and they prepare for another fight. Listen, it's so much. I was not kidding. <laughs> they prepare for another fight between the King and Anon and the crew and the guards. So they go up and they're like, we're going to have another fight uh-huh. to say like, we've got to stop this. The King and Anon have her dad and they're like, you need to stop or we're going to kill your dad. She's like, we'll never stop. They kill her dad. And so there's this big, it's, can I read you the line? Go for you it. Guys? Can I show you how quickly it happens. <laughs> it is. Oh, oh, wait, that's not it. Let me see. It's death and right. I move to shield Baba, but it's too late. The arrowhead pierces my father's chest. His blood leaks into the ground. Then the chapter ends and we're done. Oh, we move on from the death of her father. She don't even think about him no more. <laughs> Does she? Oh, she, she like, she's mad about it. Uh-huh. She's mad about it. And then she, they fight. And then quickly, like literally a couple pages later, Amari sees the king and she kills him while dropping a one-liner. Oh. Hmm. When I say I was overwhelmed <laughs> by the amount of plot in this book, you guys, and I feel like we're doing you a disservice because I feel like I can't even explain it literally, uh-huh. like lin- like literal, if that's a word, because there's just, 
it's so much. It's just them meeting different groups and fighting, people dying, them meeting different groups and fighting, people dying. This could be three separate books all on its own. You could have the big boat scene. You could have them discovering the secret community of magic universe because that's a really big revelation. Yeah. That's a that could that could be a whole book right there. Like, oh my gosh, how did you stay hidden? Yeah, like a training thing. Oh, we can cheat, teach you, like you know, when Yoda had him yeah. out in the in the swamp or whatever. Yeah, so his backpack. How did you avoid? How did you avoid the raids that killed everyone else? How have you stayed hidden this whole time? Like, we could power up and like we could overtake. Like, it could be a really good series, and then the last book could be that final confrontation. Yeah. Instead, we got it all all together. And this is one thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I am all over because I'm just really. At one point, I don't know if you made it this far. You may have. Mama Egba talks about, or Zelly talks about the raids that killed all the magic mm-hmm. users. There was a day where there was just randomly no magic and the king somehow knew about <laughs> uh-huh. it. And he took advantage and he killed all the magic users. Later, we learned that Mama Egba is a magic user. She was pretending. She was passing. Yeah, she had a dream that was like, dye your hair. She was like, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she survived. Here's my thing. If what did she, she tell nobody? Give... Well, that's what I'm saying. If these magic users and these seers are so great, why couldn't they see this raid that was going to happen? Right. How did it catch them off guard? Right. They could have been I a preemptive strike. They could have hidden. What is happening? Can I have one aside? Yes. Um, and if you don't find this funny, you can cut it. But I remember, like, there was some little jackass kid in our school who, after a very tragic world event, um, came to school and he was like, my uh, neighbor is psychic and she told me that this was going to happen and I knew it, I knew it. And he was like trying to lord it over. I was like, bitch, why did you tell somebody then? Was it 9-11? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. I didn't want to say it, but it's like, why, you know, all these people, it's like, I knew it, I knew it. And it's like, I felt like the same smugness from her. She was like, well, I survived. Yeah. It's like, but nobody else did. Like my mama died. Like what the hell's wrong with you? It's- why it's am I listening problem. to you? Because and then she already she sends them on the wrong mission to begin with. So it's yes. like, why are we listening to this old woman? And I'm like, wait a minute. So if you can just shave your hair to avoid all this oppression, why are you the only one who who, who got who hit was on smart that enough secret? to think about that? <laughs> like that line alone, when she's like, "I'm a seer," I'm we, like, "Oh, the most powerful seers could see into the future." And she talks about how they can avoid the guards, like with her power. They don't have to worry about the guards catching them because she'll be able to see them before they're coming. And I'm like, but you couldn't see right. the genocide coming? You couldn't see when they were going to come up here. And there's like a lot of threats of sexual violence in this book, too. It, it is. It's a lot. Like you couldn't see when they were coming up the path and going to like, you know, like assault uh, Zelly. You didn't you didn't think to tell her to leave. Well, she didn't have her magic then. Oh, I guess. Remember, so. she didn't. But this is this occurs. This is before the magic is taken away. And she's like, yeah, our best seers could like, I'm like, but, but like y'all were at your top of your game at that time. There were a whole bunch of y'all. You were probably practicing for generations. Right. Why did no one see this? Like, I feel like if there's, if I have an in with the gods and they're like telling me the future. I'm going to listen. Don't forget that. Like, that's not <laughs> a thing they'd skip over. Right. They're not going to tell you to cut your hair and then not tell you, hey, you're all going to be wiped out. <laughs> it's just... It's such a big plot hole. Like I, I, I did not enjoy this book the second time around. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. The word maggot is used, and I don't like it because it's too close to another real world, real world word. That's a that's slur. That's true. I like. And it, it I kind of very uncomfortable. I kind of wanted to touch on that too when you talk about again world building. 
and animals. It's like, why were they maggots? You know what I mean? Like, if you think about what a maggot is, it's like, oh, you know, this gross little bug. It feeds on dead things. You know, you kind of squish it, all this thing. It's like, but that's not really the relationship that they had with these people because they were supposed to be all powerful, but they were keeping them down. And it's a little thing, but do they explain it later why they say maggot? No. And that kind of tucks into something else I had. Like the oppression doesn't make sense. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like, like when you think about X-Men, the people don't like the X-Men, but they don't walk up to them and like start harassing them because they right. know because they know that they're powerful and that they do it because they're afraid of them. Yeah, they'll do it like through laws and they'll do all these other dumb things, but like mm-hmm. you don't have a gang of like normies walking up to like Cyclops being like, "Hey man, we're going to kick your ass." We're going to kick your ass, Cyclops. <laughs> because he can burn the heads off. That did not make any sense to me. I mean, granted here they don't have their magic, but it's still like the whole the power dynamic doesn't make sense. <laughs> But it's it's been like a smooth twelve years since they didn't have that magic. <laughs> right, so it's like, like I would be thinking like, okay, like we got to get you know these people like under control. Like we got to do. They just kind of like they're just kind of dicks to them. They're like, they oh, I want to take, want to take all your money. It's like they don't have any more money. Like if your whole move is like, oh, we're gonna take all your money, and they don't have no more money, then it's kind of like, I what? What's the end goal? Instead of just riling these people up, hoping that they never get their magic back and return to their, you know, oppressive ways. Like I don't. Well, and even if they don't have magic, they still have swords. So yeah, like Zelly was like training with a staff or something, right? Yeah. So it, just, it should have been more like X-Men and like, yeah, there's like the cultural is the culture is like boo X-Men, but they're not like getting beat up on a normal basis. Yeah, like, it's like exploring like how people use laws and systematically oppress people. But that's not what's going on here. What, what do you have? There's also a lot of colorism in this book that does not get addressed. Oh, yeah. There was one quote I want to talk about. So at the beginning of the series, she's fighting uh, Yemi. Mm-hmm. And she sort of hints how Yemi looks like the um, the royals, mm-hmm. the people with the power. And at the same time, where did it go? The um, uh, At the same, later, um, when Anan is like in the village and he's burning it down and he's questioning people, he sees this same girl. And so this is the quote from the book. Standing this close to her, I see how her oak brown skin stands out against the darker chestnut and mahogany hues of the villagers. Perhaps there's some nobility in her blood. A father who played in the mud. Like, first of all, that is a power. That is a that's a bad sentence right there. Like, that's that's rude. That is harsh. It's like I get it. If that's where you're if you want to be that bad, that's that's what I don't get is how he comes back as a love interest. Right. It's never the colorism, like it's handling so much between the magic and now we've got colorism. Yeah. Like the colorism never really gets dealt with. Like he says this shitty thing. We are told Amari has problems because she's too dark. And she's like, my mother's ashamed of me because I'm, I'm too dark. Yeah. And we see about this other noble who's bleached her skin. But like the whole why this is a problem or why this is a problematic way to think is not isn't addressed it's not addressed it's not dealt with it's like Anon never learns like wow that was a shitty thing to think yeah it's like there's there's that piece of it um like and again have colorism in the book like it's it's an important issue amongst black people like so 
that could have been a real point of contention. You could say, oh, well, again, I don't know how lighter skinned people would have come into this world. Um, but you could have you could have built that into your mythology to say that that was the sense of superiority, because all I really hear is all brown skinned people are evil. Yeah. Like that's well, the they, only like all brown skinned people are just dicks. Well <laughs> they're common. Like, the common No, no, the because because um Zally, she's like dark skin, but these other people are just kind of like she's saying like oak brown, kind of like medium skin. And they're yeah. just they're just evil. Like the first girl that she sees, you know, she calls her maggot, she's all these things, and she's like, uh, even before she does that, she just hates her. She just doesn't like her. And it's kind of like, well, let's talk about that tension. Like, why would Zelly feel that way? Why? Like, what does it mean to have lighter skin in this society? Um, because we see the princess doesn't. So what does it mean? What does it mean? It, like, tell me. Yeah. It's just never. And it's just like, that's some strong language to have. And then to not like deal with it. To never say he's growing from it. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. he's supposed to be the love interest, even though he has these, like, really harmful thoughts about Zelly. Yeah. He's, oh, he's the, the I just want to say, the romance is so rushed. She did it just because she wanted Zatara. Like, I get it. That was a great ship. But she just threw it in the book. And the thing that made Katara good and satisfying was, like, how long that whole thing stretched out. Like, that stuff didn't really pick up until after Zuko, as a character, his own character, had went through his own redemption arc and mm-hmm. learned about like, because he grew up thinking like this is the Fire Nation is always right. You're all a bunch of com. What do they? He calls them peasants or something. He's yeah. always, he was always He's saying always shady shit. On him. Yeah. yeah. And then after he got turned away by his own father, he had to have his own like sort of, sort of come to Jesus moment and realize everything he taught was wrong. He betrays them at first. And then he realizes like, no, I'm going to join the Avatar to stop you evil dad. And, and he has like- to like, he has to work to get their trust back, especially Katara, because he betrayed her. And even in that, she never gets to the point where they're like cool with each other. Like she she can tolerate him. She's kind of like, OK, we can work together. But she never gets to the point where she's like. And I think that this is why I was like not shipping Zuko and Katara, because she's kind of like, no, you were part of this. Like your family killed my mother. You oppress my people. Like, I understand that you went through this arc, but part of you going through this arc is not, um, you know, you get me as a prize at the end because you realize the errors of your ways. She's like, I have my own total, like, um, arc. I have this relationship with this other character, and it's not, like, going to be pushed to the side just because you made a good decision. And I'm really struggling to see how she's going to justify um, in later books, if they get together, the facts that they killed one another's whole families. Like, how do you get past that? What can you do to say, you killed my father, you killed my mother, you killed my father too? Well, Amari uh, killed his father. Yeah. His sister. Like, his sister killed his father. Yeah, but I know what you're saying. It's like, how do you get past that? Like, what can you say to make that okay that they could be in a relationship and kiss under some trees? I don't know. It, I don't know. And it's like, it went so f- I just sit on a romance angle because that's where I looked at. I thought Zuko and Katara worked because I the same thing you just said about Zuko. I felt about Aang. Like I felt like she was just a prize. Like oh, he's the Avatar. Mm. It, the book needs to end happy, so he gets the girl. I thought Zuko's journey 
he was a much more supportive character. Like when she wanted to go and avenge her mother, Aang was kind of a dick about it. Like, <laughs> come on, Aang, her mother was murdered. She can find the guy who did it. Just go with her so she can like face and deal with this. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, you must be peaceful, which I get. That's the kind of character. That's exactly what Aang would say. Cause he's basically a Tibetan mm-hmm. monk. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I get it. I get it. Like yeah. they definitely had struggles, but it's kind of like, you know, later, so there's a second series of this where you find out it's like 60 years later or something. Oh, yeah, I know. And you find out, like, he kind of wasn't the greatest dad or husband. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of wouldn't compromise his morals and stuff. So that adds a a different layer to it that I just am not really seeing here. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Well, well, I just brought it up because Mm -hmm. this book tries to do that. It tries to, like, I think the fact, though, that it was because Zuko and Katara were such well-developed characters, they had that very long, over three seasons of shared history. They had had, like, an emotional connection before people started shipping them. They did never, they were never together in the series, but people just shipped them anyway. But at least people could see that because they had developed this relationship. Anand and Zaley, first of all, they go from hating each other. She hates him. He hates her because he hates magic and prejudice reasons. Suddenly, he decides he's going to help the magic users. He turns on a lifetime of can, like being raised to believe a certain thing. He just easily says, okay, I'm going to do this. When Zaley gets kidnapped and he sees just how violent like magic users can be, he flips again and he decides we need to kill all magic. He's just like flipping, flopping every way. It's like the that. The love uh, story so rushed. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Burns comes on their bowling team. And at the end, he steals a trophy and Homer says, <laughs> people never change or sometimes they quickly change and then quickly change back. <laughs> That's what it is. And it's like, I felt so mad because she wanted, I would love like some kind of similar story where they're like, and she just rushed it. I yeah. Was just like, I'm, I'm done. Well, uh, Anon, and now that you say it, I don't know if he's redeemable, like, especially after the dad's death. In, <laughs> yeah. It's ooh. like, ooh, how do you get past that? Like, it's just, but then again, you know, she'll probably get over very easily because, again, nine. Nine, yeah. Nine named characters. So there was one thing that I wanted to come back to Uh since we've kind of gone through the plot. And I brought it up a little bit earlier, this idea of being mediocre. Because I don't, again, I don't think that this is a terrible trash book. Oh, if people, okay, two things. I always, like, start off and then. Um, we've been a little like, um, we've been critical of the book and we didn't like it. And, um, that's not to say that you, we think that you are wrong. If you have a different perception of this book, that's not to say that, um, we can't be challenged on any of the things that we talked about. Um, that's not to say that there's no merit in this book. If you like this book, that's fine. Like if you got something out of it, that's fine. I didn't. Yeah. Um, Even though I don't like it, I can see why somebody else would. Yeah. I think that way, way, way too often, like this idea of like standing and everything, that our identities nowadays are getting mixed up with the things that we like. Like the things that we like become who we are. So if you are a person who likes this book, it can feel like we're attacking you. And it's like, the truth is, I don't know you. (laughs) I didn't finish this book. And it's like, if you liked it, if you got something out of it, that's good. Like, I feel like, you know, this is a book podcast. We try to support black authors, black readers, 
um, all people who engage with these works, if you liked it, that is cool. Um, so having said all of that, um, I think that what I found most interesting about this book was the fact that it was mediocre and successful because there's this whole idea that, you know, black authors, black female authors, black people in general, like you probably heard this growing up. I did. Um, you're going to have to be work twice as hard, be twice as good to get half of what other people have. You know what I mean? And I think so often, like some of the books that we've read, um, you know, some of the things that we've been engaging with have not maybe had as much of their due um, or they're not, I don't know, like there's this idea that you, to be black and successful, you have to be like super extra exceptional. It's, have you heard that anecdote Chris Rock said about like his house? Mm Mm-mm. Like, he lives in a really, like, so Chris Rock makes all this money, lives in a really nice neighborhood, and he's, like, a nationally known, famous comedian, mm-hmm. and his neighbor, a white guy, is, like, a dentist. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and he's, like, he's, like, I had to be, to get this neighborhood, I had to be, like, an award-winning, you know, famous celebrity. This guy is just a dentist. Right. <laughs> so, I, I want to point out the fact that this book is extremely successful and I think that we are in the minority of people who are approached to it um and to see a book that um you know I don't blame Tomi for anything I've heard that maybe the book got a little bit rushed in production you know do I think that Ooh, I didn't hear that yeah I sell it on Goodreads um I don't know <gasps> if that's 100% true or not um you know, to see her being successful, to see, I think it's been like option for a movie or TV show or something. She's selling books. She's, you know. Oh yeah, I know. It definitely has been optioned for a movie series. Yeah. She's got this, this planned series. Um, I don't want to take away or say that she shouldn't have these things because this book is not exceptional because there are plenty, there are plenty (laughs) Of books that are probably just like this, if not worse, of these YA books, of fantasy books, of, you know, by white authors who have gone a lot farther. So, so it's like, this is nothing, she's not doing anything new. The success, this type of book becoming successful is not anything new. So I don't want to like be extra harsh on her um, when so many other people are doing it. It's just, we review black books by female black authors this came onto our radar. And so we, we, we were critical of it. We're, we're critics, um, you know, drunk and stupid ones, but (laughs) (laughs) this is, excuse you. I think you mean insightful, excuse me, insightful. This is what we do. So I don't want it to come off as like, we're being extra harsh against hers. The fact of the matter is I bought this book. I would never buy any of those other books because again, this shit just does not interest me. So I bought this book twice. <laughs> See? I bought this book in English and in Spanish. <laughs> Cause I was like, if I'm gonna buy a book in Spanish, I want it to be by a black author. I want them to say I want them to see, look, in other in Spain, like which is like European uh, Spanish. Yeah, you did buy that. I wanted them to see, look, there's a demand for books featuring black, black characters people. by mm-hmm. black authors. So I am not mad that Tommy Adiami is out here getting her coin. Yeah. I just can't <laughs> This book will not be on my favorite shelf. Yeah, I think I I don't 
and I said this about someone else before, I don't think that this is the best book that she has in her. Um, I think so, too. I think if she started clean over and, like, now that she's got this Avatar stuff out of her system, mm-hmm. if she sat and, like, really worked with her own, like, her own ideas. Because the writing skill is there. Mm-hmm. It's just the ideas were great. Yeah, yeah. She has she has some technical skill. It's just it needs to be... And it, it probably needed to be have a little stronger touch from an editor or something. Yes. To kind of focus yeah. it a little bit more. Um, so, you know, I think that we're going to see bigger, better things from her. But that's not to say that she shouldn't be proud of all that she's accomplished with this book. Yeah. And this one doesn't make me mad. Like, there are some books that I read and I'm like, I don't know how anyone can like this, <laughs> a.k.a. The Proposal. Like I read the proposal and I read good reviews of it. And I'm like, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? Like, what did I miss? What happened? This book, at least I could see if you are like, you just really want, if you really like fantasy and you want a world like black representation and you want all that action and adventure, something that's going to move quickly and get you through an exciting story. I could see why somebody would like this. Mm -hmm. So at least there's that. It's not, it's not so that's why I gave it two stars. I never I didn't give it my one star and I didn't DNF it. It yeah. wasn't that No, I bad. don't think it's a one star book. It just when I got down to it, like I'm still trying to get through Black Leopard Wolf. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. But I was like, I got these two big behemoth books. Like which one am I gonna spend my time with? And I think and maybe because they were so similar that I just mm-hmm. kept comparing it. So maybe I just need to get through this other book and then I can come back and finish this one. Like give some time yeah. d- some distance between them. Because I don't think it's, I don't think it's unfair to compare them. Um, I don't think so either. Like they're thematically tone, not tone, no, well, tonally, yeah, thematically, tonally similar. They're borrowing from the same mythology. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, so. they even look alike. So, like, I'm looking at the two just jackets right now. They look a lot alike. Um, I'm gonna say something controversial. Uh-huh. I think my issues with this book are my issues with a lot of YA. And I don't, like you were saying, this is not unique to Tommy Adeyemi. I truly think like, I think if it, I don't know if it's cause it's popular. I don't know if they just want to make money. A lot of YA books suffer from the same thing. They suffer from plots that just don't calm down. They move entirely too quickly. I read, what did I read? I read, um, uh, the gentleman's guide to vice and virtue by Mackenzie Lee. That book is very similar. Like mm. nothing hits because we're jumping one, two, three, four, five, six seven different things in one book Mm -hmm. um the characters i read what book did i read uh uh what's that other one everything everything i had a similar problem with that book like we're going through all this stuff all this plot that book has a very big emotional reveal and it does not sit and like talk about what this means and i don't know if they've done studies and maybe younger readers just don't like that Mm. like they like when things move but 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 i want to counter with um uh another brooklyn which i think is also for a younger audience even though i don't know if i quite classified as ya i think it's kind of a murky thing and that book is it i thought that was adult fiction i but it's adult this is what i'm saying right like (laughs) i wouldn't and i think we say that in that episode like I would be completely fine with a 12, 13, 14 year old reading that book. Like that's probably the kind of book I would have gravitated to at that age. And it's talking a lot about the emotional inner lives of those girls. It's like, you know, really like grounded in um, uh, place. It's uh, got a lot of technical writing skills. So 
and I don't know why, you know, if, if I had like a 13 year old, um, you know, and she said, Oh, I want to read children below. I wouldn't say like, Oh, you can't read one or the other, but you know, I wouldn't recommend one to her over the other. I don't think that you could say like this book is for kids and that book isn't because kids can't handle it. I think that they could handle both. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with something like, I don't know what they look at. I don't know if it's like vocabulary. Cause I do know there's like, they look at certain vocab, like reading levels and I think they look at content uh, that, <laughs> and I think, and I think they uh-huh. look at content and I think they look at like, what is actually happening, and is this like a theme? Because this that a book younger is reader would be interested way in? more violent than that book was. Well, I think that taps in too to some of those other discussions, like where they we talked about with like YA is getting older and more mm. adult, and some teenagers I don't think like it. Yeah, because of that, like it's not just this. There's like apparently YA books that have more sexuality in them, mm. and like people are going back and forth, like, well, it's realistic, well, it's inappropriate, like. Where's the line, I think? Mm. I will say this. I don't like YA, but YA has the best drama. Like, I will follow <laughs> they do have a lot of drama. all the conversations well, ro- and ro- all the drama. Uh, romance is right there, though. It is. It's, it's wild. <laughs> but it's up there. But YA, I don't know. It's just more interesting because they have those conversations like, okay, yeah, teens are having sex. How do we write about it? Yeah. Could be. And, so. you know, it's kind of a newer thing. I don't think mm-hmm. YA was really a thing when we were kids. Um I think it was, it was not as like, cause I used to read like those, uh, the girl on the, the girl on the milk curtain. Do you remember that series? Oh, I do. But again, was that YA or was that just a children's book? I don't know. Like I thought it was, I, I listened, I've listened to this YA podcast or they like read YA books mm-hmm. and they read that one. So I don't, I don't, it's weird. And then I've heard To Kill a Mockingbird. If it was apparently someone like if that book was released today, it'd be YA. And I'm like, I don't know. So I don't, I think. Because again, it's not a genre. It's a marketing it's just term. Used, yeah, yeah. So we can't. It's really weird to try and wrap around. So it's basically like, well, what sells? Yeah. Does this sell as? Does this sell if we label it as a YA title? Okay, it's a YA title. Yeah, interesting. Will it sell better as a ro- adult? Then yeah, it's adult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be. Yeah. So, yeah, I like. I just want to co-sign what Mama said. I totally see. I have a friend who really loved this book. We met. We went up. We met for like a dinner thing, and she went on and on about how much she loved it. And I was just. I did not. I am not going to be the one to pop her bubble. Yeah. It's like if you like it, I don't want to be a jackass to you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Because there, I like some shitty, shitty, terrible, dumb, (laughs) just dumb things. Just real, real dumb. And it's like. It does. It can feel like really shitty when someone's like um, critical of it. But I think that I do myself a disservice um, if I don't at least listen to what someone else is saying. If I don't at least think about the things that they bring up. Like I don't have to agree, but it's like it. It, it doesn't do me any good if I just put my fingers in my ears. And I'm like, well, I like to hear just being a bitch. Like that doesn't help yeah. me. That doesn't help me grow. Yeah. That doesn't help me develop critical thinking. It does nothing for me, so. Yeah. I just wanted it to slow down, to be honest. <laughs> um, so that was Children of Blood and Bone. I feel like this is probably between the controversial, <laughs> our, like, unpopular opinions uh-huh. and, like, the all over the, pl- my, like, synopsis breakdown, like, my complete failure to do a proper <laughs> synopsis. This is probably the messiest episode we've no, done No, I think it's just, I think it's a different type of episode. episode. Like, I think... <laughs> I like you. You can look on the bright side of things. Because <laughs> sometimes we're like really into the plot 
Um, like mm-hmm. I think like, and I don't think it has to do with whether we like the book or not, because I think about our last two books, um, Zane and um, uh, Beverly <laughs> Jenkins. So yeah. And we really like, we really got into the plots with those and we really like picked it apart and looked at that. This one, we had other things to say about it. So that's yes. where the conversation went. I will tweet. I have a whole list where I wrote down every major action beat. I'm going to tweet that out so you can see I did do the whole thing. And, um, and I think we've talked about everything I've wanted to say. I just, yeah. when I first, the first time I read it, I gave it three stars. And I was like, oh, it reminds me of Avatar. And it's got X-Men in it. It's fun. And I just think, I think I'm old. I think yeah, I'm and then maybe just like reading it for different purposes if before you said yeah. like oh if it's not like terrible i'll just get through it but if i'm doing it if i have my like critical glasses on <laughs> or whatever and i'm really <laughs> thinking about it and comparing it to these other books then i'm going to be um uh uh i'm going to look at it like with uh i don't know different eyes, different yeah. eyes deeper lens i don't know i don't know i yeah. don't know what it was well at least we didn't make a whole website <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I was trying to read that. I was like, this is too long, too. <laughs> I found a blog that some disgruntled reader started where she broke down. I think she's going chapter by chapter. Yeah. This book has 75 chapters. Yeah. I think she is. I was like, I ain't got time. I'm not that mad <laughs> at it. I can't do that. I can't. I cannot do it. So, yes, that's Children of Blood and Bone. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend it for the teens. Yeah. So. I mean, like, if I saw a teen reading this, I'd be like, this is the thing. This is where I think criticism gets, can be, like, people can be too hoity-toity. Like, I wouldn't go up and say to somebody, don't read that, don't read that. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't even tell a teen yeah. not to read it. I wouldn't tell an adult not to read it. If you like it, go ahead. If you want something else, yeah. go read Black Leather, Leather Red Wolf. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have not options. And I think that that's the great thing about lit right now like you have options that you can go to target and you could get both these books and that's awesome that's really great i like like if you don't like this fantasy based on african mythology well here you go we got a whole other series of fantasy based on african mythology yeah yep and hopefully we will get some more yeah hopefully we'll get some more so that's pretty awesome okay so oh you know what we didn't talk about and i'm i'm not gonna jam it in now because it doesn't fit what we did talk about Gail King, and I wanted to do that before we got into, before we got into the episode. I wanted to be like Molly. Did you see that? Interview? I saw the gifts, girl. <laughs> that man is insane. That photo of him standing over Gail King. You know that's art. That needs to be in a museum. Like you know how they look mm-hmm. at art and they'll be like, look at the ratio. <laughs> look at like that's what that is. It is beautiful. I saw the first time I saw it on Twitter. Uh, I think it was that. That that the Bodega Boys, I can't remember which one it was, but he had put on there, and it was like, "Ooh, Tyler Perry new Tyler Perry's new uh, play looks uh, uh, crazy, Tyler, something like that." And I just scrolled through because I was like, "Oh, I didn't know he liked Tyler Perry." And then later I saw it again. I was like, "Oh shit, that is R. Kelly!" Like this is a real last thing. Like it was that dramatic. It's it's so he like my mom thinks he's faking. I think it's a combination of faking and realizing like his his luck done run out. Mm-hmm. Like he's like he's having a moment. My favorite tweet was when somebody said R. Kelly seriously thought that double jeopardy meant <gasps> he couldn't get charged again for the same crime no matter who he did it to. Dumbass. It was so funny. Like if he beats the case once, he can just he do can it just again. do it again. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. My husband was like, "He, re- he for real thought, ooh, if I if I go rob a bank and I uh, get acquitted." And then I go rob a different bank. 
double jeopardy. I'm cool. He does say at one point, he was like, I was already charged. Double for it. jeopardy. It's like, that's not how that works. That's not how that works at all. Why don't you, you have money. People are still like giving you money. So why didn't you get the services of an attorney to explain this to you? (laughs) A dictionary, something. Goddamn. A person on the street. I'm not a lawyer. And I know that that is not what double jeopardy means, sir. Everybody knows it except for his dumbass. But you know what? (laughs) Nobody ever said he was intelligent. So they didn't. They didn't. Mm. Just that he could sing, I guess. I guess. Because and then he like he's just going he was acting a fool and I was like well that's how an innocent man definitely acts like, screaming <laughs> right. at the camera I'm trying to see my kid can I ask an honest like, question that my mom asked though and I sure. can't get it out of my head why did they interview him oh they want those ratings but like that's why they interview I don't know it kind of like sketched me out like oh so it's cool to interview him like would we really have given him the time of day if it I don't know. I don't know. That's just something that she said that I was kind of like, mm. but you know, I'm also, I guess this is like unpopular opinion time, but I'm also a little bit skeptical <laughs> of Oprah and her crew too. So it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, oh, if it had been your white viewers, if she had been like, if he had been attacking white women, would you have, would you have given him this platform to try to defend himself? It's like at this point, I don't give a fuck what R. Kelly has to say. We've I really don't all either. been knowing that he is, you know, this awful pervy he's a predator predator so it's like there's no i see no merit in having an interview with him except for like a fucking clown show so i don't really understand why he was interviewed but that's just my piece on that well i i, I mean i know why he was <laughs> they wanted those ratings i will say though like mm-hmm. if he wants to make an ass of himself and like there are a lot of people who are like i know some of them who were like sort of on the fence and they saw this and they're like, Oh no, that nigga's crazy. Well, I guess so that's I'm like, good yeah, then. let him hang himself in the court of public opinion. I'm perfectly fine with that. I guess that's good. So, then. so, and I think, and I think if Gail hadn't been, if like the interviewer hadn't been good, if it was like, you know how like Fox news interviews Trump <laughs> and they just like, how do you do it? How do you just keep up with all the hard work? Like if it was something like that, I would see it, but she, pressed him i know on a lot of she things. did she did press him and that was good yeah she was like you know you you're trying to make it sound like you're the victim and she kept asking like that robert robert <laughs> right so i mean like i get it. it it is what it is like cbs look out look how cbs has been trending for like the last three days when's the last time you watched cbs this morning but it's like on the backs of these girls suffering like all these jokes, it's, all these like it's a horrible thing I don't that like he the did. Jokes, yeah. So it's kind of so. like I don't know, but I, I that's just that's that's me and my conspiracy family, <laughs> and them kind of saying mm mm mm, and I realize that that is way far off from like what the, what most responses have been. But I, when she said it, I was kind of like, oh, I can't make no jokes about this. <laughs> I'm genuinely surprised he agreed to do it. Oh, because he's stupid. He don't got no money for a publicist anymore. And he yeah, really like, who's th- that guy who was trying to calm him down? I thought that was his publicist. Oh, well then he don't got no kind of publicist that, you know, <laughs> who knows what who he, knows what he must be publicist. doing. He got that dude off of, uh Craigslist. <laughs> oh he yeah, can't Robert. afford a quality publicist. They love you. Nah, uh, nah, that boonjocks, it was a joke. <laughs> you see, they were cheering. <laughs> I will say his publicist had some bad looking dreads. I'm like, those dreads look like they haven't been freshened up in a while. And I'm wondering, like, can you just not afford it? Probably um, not. 
<laughs> so I don't know. I was just surprised he did it. I don't know. It was, and he tried to be like, that doesn't make sense, guys. Why would I keep? And then he says this as if this is like the master stroke. It's like, why would a man, I guess, why would a man sell his daughter in the first place? And I'd be like, why would your black ass buy Why would you buy a like, girl? Yeah. Like, it's, you don't look, that doesn't make you out as the good guy. Like, well, he gave her to me. He told, he, he put her on the stage and he told was, her to get to know me. Yeah. And I gave him knew, money and he took that money. Yeah. That makes him evil. Yeah. If you knew somebody was forcing their underage daughter to hang out with you, you're not off the hook because you know, they're like, you're not off the hook because you approached her first. You right? didn't approach her first. It's like, bitch, I can be mad at both of you. <laughs> you're all scummy. So there's a book coming out in June oh, by yeah. the reporter who broke the case, like, oh, that BuzzFeed one. Oh, way, um, way back. Oh, no, there was okay. a reporter I think in Chicago. He said he's been covering. I think it was, I think it was the uh, the P tape, the original. I shouldn't mm. say that. That's disrespectful. The original charge of child mm-hmm. pornography. He broke that case, like he broke that, and he's like, "This is gonna be a big thing." And then he's like, "It didn't do anything." And he was sort of shocked by that. That so would be sort of interesting. Talks, yeah, it's called Soulless, the case against R. Kelly. It's supposed mm. to come out in June. Mm. So I plan to read that. So I don't know. I just I just need to talk about it with someone because I don't I don't think the right? white people at work. I don't oh, think the white people no. at work. <laughs> no, I don't. I haven't heard really anything outside of like, you know what black I mean? Spaces. Black spaces. Yeah. People talking about it, really. Yeah. Except for my dad. <laughs> but I mean, he's in a black space sometimes, right? Like. That He's is got a true. black wife and black a black daughter <laughs> and like so. But he, yeah, he's the only non-black person. <laughs> well, and then Frank, Frank being yeah. Latino, you know, he was talking about it. But outside of that, I'm like, yeah, nobody else really. I yeah. Really so that's another thing someone talked about, like the way that intersectionality, guys, way to. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, on that terrible note, what have you been reading, Molly? Okay, so I read a book called Last Night in Nook. Um mm. and I cannot pronounce the woman's name. <laughs> so I'm just gonna send you the link so you can include it. But um it's she's uh from Greenland. Um and oh, the book, I may not be able to pronounce her name. It is N I V I A Q. That's the first name. The last name is K R K O R N E L I U S S E N. I got lost after that second R. I'm not. You know what? I'm. This is how people get trapped up. So. Uh, <laughs> She's like a young author. She wrote this book. Um, and I, I saw a reference to it. I saw it on like a list. And I was like, I don't know shit about Greenland. I don't know anything at all about Greenland. I don't know anything about the people that, that live there. So I read oh, it. I don't either. Right? And um, it was fine. Like, I feel very, I actually You're feel right. very similar to um, <laughs> this about Children of Blood and Bone. Only this one is like 90 pages or something like that. And it's just, you know, some young people doing stuff. And I was like, okay. Really selling well. it. You're like, yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. Like, it's not, <laughs> I kind of picked it up, like, thinking I What's would it? learn a little bit more about what goes on. Like, what life is like over there in this place that I literally know nothing about. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah. I mean, it's about, like, the these group of, like, 20-somethings and they kind of hang out and they sleep with each other and they break up and stuff. Ah, so just like your typical yeah. 
which again, it's not on her to teach me about Greenland. I have, I got Google just like anybody else, but yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Was that all? Did you read anything? I didn't mean to sound dismissive of that. Did you read anything else? I'm still going through Black Leopard Wolf. And you know what? This book, it's very dense and it's very like, it's written in a way not to like, not to purposely confuse you and not to be hostile. But I think it's like the way he's like layering scenes and time and language and like conversation, all this stuff. Like you have to pay all lot of attention which i really yes. like like it's not inaccessible but it's like it demands more of your attention and if you give it to it then it's yeah. really good one thing i noticed like it's challenging to read like the sentences because he'll like flip the word order a little bit or he'll he gets he doesn't use a lot of dialogue tags yeah so you got to pay attention like who's saying what and it's like yeah it's it's a it demands a lot. i think that's just marlon james because i read a brief history of seven killings mm-hmm. and that book like you gotta work mm-hmm. to get that between the patois and like the politics. There's so much politics. It kind of so reminds think, me in a way of Zora Neale Hurston, how she was using like a lot of um Oh, the dialect. dialect. Yeah. And it's like when you look at it on the page, you're like, Oh my god, what? But once you like get into it, it's like mm-hmm. they give you every tool you need to read it and for it to flow. But you need to be like in that kind of like that that flow i don't know what they call it like headspace or like you need to be like vibing with it to like be able to read it like super fluently once you do it it's like great and you're like oh my god like this is an amazing use of language but like just dropping in on this book is not yeah not been super successful for me it's hard to like when you're in it and you've been reading for like 15 20 you're like you're moving but when you first pick it up it's also i couldn't i love the audible I like the, the audible a lot too. So he does such a great job. But like, I couldn't listen to this at work. I couldn't listen to it in the car. Yep. I couldn't listen to it while I was doing chores. I had to literally sit yep. with the book in front of me and listen to him while I read. Yep. Because you will get lost. It will. It's just so much happening. Did you listen to the audible of um, Children and Blood and Bone at all? I did. I listened to it and then I returned it because I did not like the accent, which is funny because I believe she just won best audible book performance she oh, just really? won some kind of award the uh you know who it is right book. it's the girl who did uh, uh the hate uh, you give the hate you give yeah, yeah. and she i does, like all the ya's i really liked her in the hate you give this one not so much <laughs> i the accent just feels like and i was like you all couldn't hire a narrator from africa yeah or even the Caribbean, like our ignorant asses. Well, I guess that's rude. But like our ignorant asses don't know any better between <laughs> like a Trinidad accent and like a West African accent. I was like, why did you have to get this lady who's like black panthering up in this audio? I just did not enjoy it. Yeah. And so. That's awesome. And she doesn't curious. change voices. Yes. Her voices. Again, another thing that I really was not trying to compare to Black Leopard, but it was like. That dude, I've never heard anyone be so consistent with so many characters and give them so many different voices. He was amazing. I was always excited for a new character to come because, like, I got to see, like, how is he going to change his voice right? to sound? I have like no idea character. what he actually sounds like. Because <laughs> he, does... I think you hear it at the end when he says, "Okay, the credits." Okay, like, he sounds okay. nothing like. He doesn't sound like anything. He just sounds like an average guy, right? Like the slaver guy. Oh my God, like his voice is so different than like uh, Tracker's voice is 
similar to leopard, but it's like his inflections are different. The rhythm of his speech is different. And it's like, sorry, you have killed it. Um, We got to look up his name because we do like props to him. Like he killed it with this, with this narration. And he like, he reads, he reads, like he reads the line, like he's acting. He's mm-hmm. not just reading. Mm-hmm. He is performing this dialogue. If something's supposed to be said smugly, he's saying it smugly. Mm-hmm. If somebody's supposed to be whispering or scared, he is whispering and scared. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get through the ch- cooking gene, <laughs> which, oh. God bless that guy, is the worst audible. <laughs> he's just reading. Yeah. He wrote this book and he is just reading words on a You page. know, he's on YouTube a lot. Him and this other guy. Michael Twitty? Uh, the cooking gene? That's a cookbook, right? No, it's a memoir, sort of. It's oh. a book about the culinary history of African-American food. Wait, isn't he sitting there? He has a vest on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's on YouTube. That's how I first oh, saw him. I gotta find him. It's like this I mean, I dude... believe it. He's on Twitter a lot, too. <laughs> it's this dude who does, like, old, like, pioneer day, like, <laughs> cooking or something. And he got in trouble for, like, he did one. It was, like, the Orange Fool drink or something. And I guess he was, like, getting death threats because they're like, why are you talking about my president? And he, like, came on. He was, like, crying. He was, like... I, I I just I just dress up like a pioneer guy and make a big food. Hold, hold on, I gotta see. So, but that's a white guy, but he's had this guy on his show oh, before. Okay, I was gonna say I did not hear him. Oops, I did not hear about this. No, yeah, that's him. He wrote the Cooking Gene. I've been trying to read it slash listen to it for like four months. The narration is just it's just another reason for why I don't like it when authors read their own. Like, just let actors do it. But like, you know what? You know what? That Kiyosei Lehman book, when he read Heavy, oh my God. Like, I couldn't imagine anyone else reading it. Like, the emotion that he's going through reading that, oh my God. It's amazing. I mean, I'm not saying every time, but this, (laughs) somebody should have been in that recording booth and like, you know what? Maybe. Let's work with you. Maybe we get someone who can do this. Because sometimes he'll mispronounce words. Sometimes he'll like, you know, when you end a sentence on the wrong emphasis mm, and mm-hmm. or you or you just like you don't end it right and then there's still more words after it and mm. it's like it's really jarring to listen to because like he's just not speaking properly and it's like i can't and i know it's you're not a professional actor sir you're a man who cooks i get it yeah but i can't i, I can't <laughs> i've been trying to read that book for four months and i'm like i'm just gonna knock it out at work today and i put it on for 20 minutes and i'm like i can't do this yeah okay so what else have you been reading Oh, so I've been reading that. I've been in a reading slump, sort of what you were talking about. Like, I need to learn to DNF things. Mm. I've been in a slump. I've been trying to read Bear Town. It's okay. I'm still on. I'm still at fifteen percent. <laughs> and because I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything until I finish this book. I just don't do. I just need to give up. Yeah. But um, I'm still reading The Cooking Gene. Uh, that's been on my currently <laughs> reading. I only finished one book, and it was called. I know. It's called Black is the Body, Stories from My Grandmother's Time, My Mother's Time, and Mine by Emily Bernard. I give it two stars. It's a book about being black that I think was written for white people. Um. It was, she, the first essay, it's a collection of essays. And the first essay is really good because she was a victim of a random violent attack. She was in a coffee shop when a man walked in and started stabbing people. And she sort of, yeah, she sort of talks about that and like her connection to the stabbing. Then after that, everything gets really sort of shallow. So she's married to a white man and she has two children. She adopted from Ethiopia and she lives in Vermont. So she, and she teaches African-American literature and her husband teaches African-American 
I think maybe literature, okay. maybe I want to say music. He he's also like a black studies guy. Have it's you like ever has, seen Atlanta? They're in Vermont. No, have you seen the show Atlanta? Oh, you know the answer is no. Oh, I thought just you said. Well, it must have been someone else. But there's a. Okay, listen, you'll you'll know what I thought of that uh, Juneteenth episode. <laughs> That's all I'll say because I want okay. you to watch it. <laughs> okay. But um, so she has all these interesting setups to talk about, like to really get into like race and how we deal with it in America and what it's like to be black and married to a white man, what it's like to be black and African-American and adopt African children, like all these opportunities. And they're just, they're just very shallow. And like, she's like, Oh my, I did my girl's hair and I can't, and I noted on how, or what did she say? Like, oh, the girls don't identify as black. They say they're from Africa. And like, I told this story to my friend and she's like, don't you think that's weird? It's just, it's a lot of anecdotes of really minor situations that after the stabbing don't seem that important. Like you washing your daughter's hair is just, it just doesn't, a really good writer could make them equally. Yeah. I think equally powerful. It just reads really shallow. So it mm. feels like it's a book written to explain like what it's like to be black to someone who's not black. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is a genre. That is. <laughs> I told you that maybe I said this on here. My dad was at the library and he called he me. Did. <laughs> he he wanted a library. book. Yeah. He was like, oh, I'm trying to get a book for your mother. And he picked up a book that we had read. And he's like, what, what do you think about this? And I was like, oh, it's OK, but I don't think she'll like it because it, the audience is white. Like it's for white people and it's yeah. just explaining things she already knows. And yeah. so he said, okay. And then he turned, he was like, my daughter says not this one. Cause it's, it's, it's just for white people. So I'm going to give this one back to you. <laughs> like, oh my God. You know what? He, he's like, you know, that's what it's about. He told whoever that was. Yeah. There's like, I had that moment. There's a scene where she describes like wrapping her daughter's hair, but she never uses those words. What she does says, she say? She says, the hairdresser showed me how to comb her hair around her head until it formed a, an old timey, I think she compares it to a beehive. And then wrap the cloth around her head so she could sleep the silk the silk scarf around her head so she could sleep on it. It's like you wrapped her hair. Yeah. You wrapped her hair. Uh, Why are you first of all, that doesn't involve a beehive at all. Yeah, those are two different things. And it's like, you said she was black? She's black. This is a black woman who is she has natural hair though, but I still feel like even if you have natural hair, I mean you know what some what wrapping your hair means. Yeah. You can just say, oh, I wrap their hair every uh-huh. night before they go to bed. Because she's describing this one scene where her daughter <laughs> asked to get her hair straightened. Okay. And so she's, like, talking about, like, all the upkeep to deal with the straight hair. And, like, so they have to wrap her hair. And she just describes it like she's describing, it's like, like. girl, don't be bougie. You know what wrapping <laughs> your hair. You, your grandma set you down. Somebody has wrapped your hair before. You've seen someone wrap their hair before. Like, don't that was be bougie. The aha moment for me when I knew this book was not written for me. Because mm. she's like describing, she's like, the hairdresser showed me how to take her hair and comb it around her head till it formed so a buzz, a beehive, and then to wrap it in the soft scarf. And I'm like, a soft scarf? The fuck? Like, or a do rag, or a head, a skull cap, or like a scarf, or pantyhose. A or- satin scarf, excuse me. Like just, a soft scarf. The fuck you talking? Get out of here. I'm sorry. I just moment, got mad yeah. about that. I'm sorry. I mean, well, I mean, that's sort of how I, th- I wasn't that mad about it, but I was sort of like uh-huh. disappointed. I'm like, yeah. Um, Cause this that's one of the later essays. And I was mm. like, oh man, like, but you're kind of like, this isn't for me. Yeah. That's the sign. That's yeah. the definitive that this is not for me because you can't even just say, she doesn't even say 
wrap her hair. She just uses that description. She's like, I went, they asked me to go to Target and buy small square towels for them that they could use, use with the soap. And I had never heard of such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's what it was. That's when I was like, oh, damn it. So I had to give it two stars. Uh, It was not a good. Oh, it's too bad. The title's cool. It is. In the first essay where she describes getting stabbed, like. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And the rest of it is just like, man, even meeting her husband, like she, it's almost like he's, she's like, oh yeah, he's as black as, I'm like, no, he's not. Like they make this, they do make the joke where like he's, he's as black as, or they never say he's blacker than someone, but they do make like a, oh, he's as black as so-and-so or he's just as black as we are and it's like he's not though he's not (laughs) i mean i bet if they both get pulled over (laughs) he won't be just as black oh it is just see okay you know what i'm gonna say this (laughs) these fucking people in interracial relationships and these fucking mixed people y'all got to fucking relax you have to relax girl because look y'all out you are all out here making me look bad and i have not done shit to you like we we as a mixed people need to fucking chill out we gotta chill out girl we gotta chill out because i can't i can't i see people on twitter all the time they're saying look at this light skin nonsense look at this look at that look at and i'm like you know what i can't even be mad or argue with you because people acting wild and i'm tired I am tired of having to be like not all mixed people. <laughs> we got to love, relax. I would love for you or your mom to read it. Cause I'm like, as disappointed as I was, I can only imagine. Cause I think he's a Ita- Her dad's, her husband's Italian. So he oh, also talks no. about that. Yeah. And so the daughters are kind of handled messily because like they, for some reason don't want to identify as black. And she like, it's like, okay, you may not be African-American, but you're black. You're Ethiopian. Yeah. And I mean, there's this whole, and again, this isn't my story, but I've heard people talking about how, you know, African people migrate to the U.S. And it's like they see blackness as a thing to be avoided because it's, you know, this, we talk about black people as if, oh, we're ghetto or we're oppressed or we're so churchy or stuff like that. And so they yeah. want to kind of, it's the whole story. Every immigrant experience is you know, deals with this. Every immigrant story talks about this proximity to whiteness being yeah. like a way to protect yourself. So that, I if mean, she if she doesn't talk about that. Then. There's like one scene where a white lady who has a black godson uh-huh. and like the godson's working on the farm and she gives him a bath and she talks about how there was a ring around the tub and she like thinks it's funny. And I'm like, that's, that's offensive. That's offensive. Like, like your friend probably didn't. Mm. I don't know what your friend meant, but like she's like, I laughed and then I told it to his mother. Like she's like, I wanted to tell it to his mother, but I don't think she would have found it as. No, she probably kick your ass. I mean, she probably wouldn't have. It's just I couldn't. I had a lot of problems with it. You know I, why my mom won't read this book? She, maybe she shouldn't. Like, I don't want. Miss, I don't want your mom <laughs> to be like, "Why is Danielle recommending me these shitty books?" No, no. They first of all, they love you, but. Um, <laughs> Like when I was a kid, there was like this other mixed family and they kept like trying to talk to my parents like they were at our school and it was a white mom and a black father. And the mom came over to my mom and she was like, we're going to start this support group for like uh, interracial couples with mixed kids. I think my mom cursed her out. 
Well, I mean, and I'm not even joking. Like, I think my mom cursed her out. Good. <laughs> yeah, don't mean it to your mom. That reminds me of another scene, because mm-hmm. you're the one who told me about, like, the hair. Like, you can tell if the mother's white or black. Mm-hmm. She talks about this scene where she takes one of her Ethiopian daughters to the salon. Mm-hmm. And, like, because apparently the little girl just doesn't want her hair done. And she takes her to the salon, and the hairdresser looks at her, and she's like, what the fuck is wrong with this child's hair? And she even comments to herself, like, was she putting stank oil in it? Yeah, she, she even comments to herself, like, if I were white, I could get away with this. But, like, and she's, like, embarrassed because her daughter's walking around with this terrible hair. I mean, it's like, well, get on YouTube. Get on YouTube. Like. She has natural hair. She has her, like. Come I guess on. She just, what the fuck? I don't know. It was a really weird book. And uh-huh. they live in Vermont, which is apparently the whitest state. And uh-huh. she's like, I always like to tell friends that Vermont is one of the one states where a black man has not been killed at like the hands of the cops or something. And then she's like, well, I have to think to myself, it's probably because there just aren't any of us here. Why is that a fun fact for you? I don't know. I think she feels <laughs> the need to defend Vermont. Like, why are you, why are you in that super white state? I mean, you Apparently know it's what? the second whitest state after Maine. We all got to be wherever we are. Shit. You know, yeah. jobs and shit. I don't blame yeah. you for that, but stop acting so precious about it. It was a weird book. So I <sighs> give it two stars. <laughs> I got more angry like, about that than anything else. You did. The rap thing like stuck with me and I was like, this, mm, mm. and like I said, you might, because you might, I can't, her family, she kept talking about her, her husband and her adopted, I don't know. I felt like she could have. I opened up the tub say something. of oil and it smelled like chocolate. I rubbed <laughs> it on my dry lips and thought, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> just like, it was just ridiculous. I'm trying to think of like literally any other. I watched as the hairdresser applied the lie to her roots, <laughs> the chemical forcing her naturally kinky hair to straighten, to straighten out. And I was like, she got a relaxer. She got a perm. She picked up Just the pink <laughs> bottle and squirted some type of pink, looked almost like lotion into her hand <laughs> and then rubbed it into her scalp and edges. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just say what it is. So I don't know. I don't know. If she was just trying to be literature. I didn't appreciate it. Like mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate it. So I mean, that first essay was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stabbing thing. Like that's. It's also the only one that didn't deal with race. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why. Maybe she just shouldn't write about race. Or maybe she just needs to write about race in a more thoughtful way. Yeah. She also, for someone who teaches African American literature, she kept referencing the same two things. James Baldwin and their eyes were watching God. And look, I like I love both of them. Bulk of books, but, but you know, both. How long but, have we been doing this show? <laughs> two years. <laughs> like you, you teach this. Should you should you? be so well read. You could reference a whole bunch of a whole slew plethora of African American writers. Right? Should we you just know? kept getting Baldwin and hmm. and, okay. and Janie? She wouldn't even say Zora near Hurston. She'd talk about Janie. Does she know who? You know what? I'm going to stop hating on this girl. I didn't read this book. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was that was a mini episode y'all just got on Black is the Body. <laughs> that really was. But I say that, though, because I was reading a whole bunch at the beginning of the year because re- I was reading mostly romances mm. and shit I liked. Mm. And I was knocking through them, like knocking them out. And then I hit these books I'm not enjoying. And instead of just quitting and moving on. It slows you down. It's completely held me up. Mm-hmm. Well, so. we'll try it again. Um, yeah. But let us talk about, because I'm really excited for this, um, our <laughs> next uh, BCL chat. 
um, which I think is in in line with how ordinary we were today. Oh, yeah. And give us a chance to <laughs> give you a chance to feel like how we're going to feel when this episode drops and so the, the teens come for, for us. Um, so our bonus question is, what are your unpopular book opinions? Yeah. Y'all better bring them. I want to hear I want to hear them. If you don't want your handle or Twitter name, if you want to DM them. You know you can. And we're going to try a new thing. Are we going to try this? I Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to, before this episode gets posted, we can test it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So we're going to open up a voicemail box for you guys to um, call in. <laughs> and leave your your unpopular book opinions and get you know as loud as you want as long as you ain't crazy we'll we'll see yeah. about playing them um but uh yes try and keep them 20 30 seconds yes you can't do like <laughs> yes please please no long no like 30 minute thing if it's funny i'll <laughs> listen to it but we can't put that in the episode <laughs> we'll summarize yeah. it um but uh yeah 30 seconds, sweet spot, um, yeah. and popular book opinions. You can always um, DM them to us, email them to us, hit us up on Twitter. Um, yeah, but we're we're excited to get into some mess with you guys. Yes, and we will have a number to share mm-hmm. at some point. Yes, we'll have a number. We'll put it on – we'll put it in the show notes probably, and then we'll put it um, – yeah on twitter like we'll we'll promote this one um we might start promoting it a little bit early even a week before the episode comes out just to give everybody enough time because i think that worked better for the um the last bonus episode yeah. um but yeah unpopular and y'all better come you guys better y'all can't come. be shy do like not be shy exactly <laughs> um and they don't have to be about the books that we've read they don't have to be about anything in particular um, they don't have to be about books by black women. Just just your, your unpopular, you know, the feistier the better. Yes. Bring the tea. We want all <laughs> the tea. So um, you can follow us on Twitter at Black Chick Lit. We're also on Instagram at BCL Podcast. And you can visit us at BlackChickLit.com. Mm-hmm. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to contact at BlackChickLit.com. And then don't forget to rate and review Describe Us on iTunes and Google Play. Fuck Luminary. (laughs) That helps other listeners find the podcast. Um, And as always, thanks to Sweet 45 for the use of our theme song, Jonesin. You can find them on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash Sweet 45. Woo! And that's it. That's it, guys. Somehow became a longer one. I know, because when we started, like, to be fair, like, Frank was like, are you recording? I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'll go get dinner. That's the kind of support Sorry. you need, right? Sorry, Frank. It's fine. We gotta have some chicken. I can't. Every time I record, I just picture him somewhere like wanting to talk to you. But like, <laughs> he's been so good. Like he'll like go on the couch, he'll put his headphones on, and play PlayStation or something. Every once in a while, he'll like chuckle at something. He listened to our whole Zane episode just like in the corner. Oh, when we I were owe recording. him an apology for that alone. That was terrible. <laughs> well, he can't hear you. So he's only here, my dumbass. Uh, so. Okay, well, thanks, guys. That was a that was an interesting episode. I think we have more to say about it than I realized. So yes, so I'm glad we we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Cool. All right, guys. All right. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.